Welcome to the audio drama presentation of Charlie Cradle's Wonderful Existence. Charlie Cradle's life was going nowhere. Being shy and socially awkward, she believed virtual sunshine was enough for her. But one day, all of that changed when she was challenged to live a more fulfilling life by someone at her mundane telemarketing job. However, what she wouldn't have guessed before embarking on her quest was that she would meet an unlikely love interest who just so happened to be a wizard. It's a story about self-discovery, personal growth, and how love is never as easy as we wish it could be. This story has been my passion project, and I'm humbled to have such an amazing cast bring each character to life. Without further ado, Charlie Cradle's Wonderful Existence. I'm sick and tired of you calling my house. That particular flavor of outrage Charlie had to endure from the other end of the phone line was nothing out of the ordinary for her. To be fair, she couldn't exactly blame them. But this was her job. It's what kept the internet on at home. So every day she called people to ask them questions the company she worked for considered necessary for their research. Such as, How many people live in your home? Do you smoke cigarettes? Do you eat pickles? That's the role Charlie looked forward to playing for five unnaturally long days a week. I'm sorry, sir. I understand your frustration. However, the Pickle Jar Incorporate is reaching into the family home to conduct research to learn what people love most about their pickles. Your opinion and cooperation is of great value to us. You want my opinion? I don't give a damn about your pickles. I just want to be able to enjoy supper without being asked to answer ridiculous questions for a change. Charlie's earpiece rang as the man smashed down his end of the phone line. When she was first hired for the job, this would have equaled something of an insult. But after a few days of the same thing happening over and over again, she realized her mistake. The trick? was to become a robot with no emotion. If you ask her why she hasn't left this job behind already, she'd tell you every time. It happened eventually. The truth was, even if she did quit her job and leave Riverton, where else would she go? Somewhere outside New Brunswick? The idea sounded mostly terrifying. Charlie Cradle would classify herself as a geek. 21, socially awkward, and likes to spend her time online gaming, reading comic books, and fantasy novels. She really wanted nothing more but to live her simple existence. She kept to a routine and diverted only when necessary. It's not that she couldn't do other things, she'd tell herself. It's just she would rather be questing for that level 175 sword in order to be part of more guild events in her online world than go out for a night on the town. Virtual sunshine was enough for her. She looked up at the clock on the wall and felt like banging her head on her desk. 2 p.m. That meant there were still three more hours of senseless questioning for the sake of pickle sales. Charlie rediscovered her hatred for pickles all over again. But she did her job. Because what else could she do? Her little apartment and her online gaming subscription wouldn't pay for themselves. Besides... 
Tomorrow, a phone call would change her life. It was a little past six o'clock when Charlie arrived home. As usual, her cell phone vibrated in her pocket. Her mother was calling. She sat her bag of groceries on the table and answered the call. Level 30 monster incoming via cell phone. Hi, Mom. Charlene? Charlene, are you okay? You had me worried sick. What's the matter with you not calling your mother for three days? Mom, please stop calling me Charlene. What is it with you and that crazy name? Charlie's a boy's name. You are my baby girl. And that's exactly why Charlie was just fine, she thought. The truth was that Charlene was everything her mother ever wanted her to be. Fashionable, giddy, a girly girl. Changing her name to Charlie was a way of creating distance from that image her mother forever tried to apply to her. She hated to disappoint her mother, but it wasn't the person she was meant to be. As people go, she liked being Charlie a lot more than Charlene. The clothes were more comfortable, and it was okay to eat out of the pizza delivery box. I'm sorry, Mom. It's just that I'm on the phone all day at work, so I like to shut mine off at night. Is it so wrong to have a little conversation with my baby girl every once in a while? As much as she hated to talk to her mother before supper, she still didn't like to hear that sad tone in her voice whenever she would forget to call for a few days. I'll try to remember from now on. I promise. Thank you. Well, you wouldn't believe who I ran into today. Sherry Lynn. You know, that stuck-up cow who carries that ridiculous poodle in her purse. She just rolled her eyes and walked away from me. (laughs) Wins the lottery and suddenly can't be bothered to speak to peasants anymore. As the conversation went on, Charlie checked off all the topics on the checklist in correct order that her mother would rant on about. Miss Good-for-Nothing Lottery winner? Check. The price of gas? Check. The raccoon terrorizing their garbage on the front porch? Check. And finally, her father's irritable bowel syndrome? Double check. Some people would consider this a psychic ability, but for Charlie, it just meant 6.15 p.m. After supper, Charlie put on her lazy clothes and prepared to get her game on. She entered her username and password, chose her wood elf ranger, and signed into her online fantasy world. Almost immediately, she received a private message. Hey! It was a friend she met online, Vinland. Of course, Vinland was only his character name. His real name was Tom. But Charlie liked to keep things more informal, so she stuck with using their in-game names. Hey there, Vin. She liked Tom. He was a fantastic chew toy for the monsters to munch on while she peppered them with arrows from afar. What's up? You still coming to the dungeon run tonight? Of course. I've been thinking about that bow of lesser destruction all night. Can you even imagine the kind of damage I'm going to be doing after an upgrade like that? So you mean you'll finally be able to hit something for once? Ha. Funny. Hey, just saying. I can't keep secretly asking Duma to cover my armor repair costs. You're reducing me to a mere beggar. If you can't take the pressure, then maybe you're better off playing My Little Pony Pinkie Pie's party like a good little girl. Charlie thought she burned him good. A smile spread across her face in anticipation of a comeback. But a couple minutes passed without retort, and she worried maybe he was offended, even though that was unlike him. Sorry, delivery guy. 
Charlie sighed with relief. That's okay. You ready? Yeah, let's check with everyone else so we can get this party started. Charlie had known Tom for about two years. They met while playing a different game during a free-for-all gun battle. The match was down to just the two of them, and whoever got the next kill won the round. Charlie prowled the abandoned warehouse until she caught sight of him doing the exact same thing while searching for her. She crouched and readied her gun, waiting for him to enter her line of sight. And then... Direct headshot! The game was won, and she squealed a big yes! A minute later, Tom sent a private message congratulating her. Nice shot! And that was the beginning of their friendship. She liked that he was a good sport. That kind of person was almost alien to that type of game. And for the longest time, Tom assumed Charlie was a guy because of her username. Charlie's gonna get ya. She didn't reveal the truth because experience told her that most gamer guys got real weird once they found out that she was a woman. Whoa, really? No way, that's so hot. I'm adding you to my friends list. Sure, being known as a female gamer has its benefits. Sometimes guys gave her a free pass. But that's not what Charlie was about. And it became real annoying constantly having boys hitting on her and asking what she looked like. Once Charlie felt comfortable enough with Tom, she told him the truth. His initial reaction was a bit surprised, but he acted as if nothing had changed between them and they continued joking and playing games like they always had. She appreciated that about him. Charlie wished she could talk to people in person the same way she talked to Tom online. In virtual reality, she was cool and comfortable. In the real world, she was awkward and clumsy. Trying to fit in like everyone else was a task of its own. She didn't know what to talk about when engaged in conversation with most other people. She wasn't interested in the same things other people were interested in. And not very many people knew that she liked books and online gaming. She's the type of person who lets others talk while she listens. And if they didn't carry the flow of the conversation, it was riddled with the kind of silence that made you want to be somewhere else. But in the grand scale of things, she felt that was a minor flaw. The important thing, she thought, was that she didn't feel like she was missing out on anything. That's the way she lived her life. No risks, no chances, just simple living on a day-to-day -day basis. Existing. After the dungeon run, Charlie was put out. No bow. I guess I'm going to have to give it another try tomorrow night. And I guess I'm going to have to buy a new box of band-aids. Thanks for being tank again. You make it seem easy. Hurting monsters, poking them with sharp and pointy things, and then letting them beat the crap out of me. It's kind of what I do. <laughs> Talk to you tomorrow night. See you then. Charlie signed out of the game and got ready for bed. Tomorrow was another big day of harassing people's dinner hour with important questions about pickles. As she slept, she had the strangest dream. In her dream, she stood in an empty room with no windows and no door. Everything was painted white so that every imperfection on the walls were clearly visible and easily distinguished. It was bland and not very exciting. She noticed the table in the center of the room, which, she thought, she should have noticed immediately, feeling like it appeared out of thin air. She approached the table. Sitting on the plate in the middle was a sandwich. 
It might have even been the best looking sandwich she had ever seen in her life. For whatever reason, in that dreamlike sort of way, it conveyed feelings of comfort and of being at home. What's also worth noting is that it was the only thing with any color in the stark white room. Just the sandwich. Then, Charlie woke up. She looked at her clock. It was 4.27 a.m. It was still way too early to get up, so she went back to sleep. She thought about the dream she just had and how strange it was, but soon she forgot all about it. By morning, other, more exciting dreams replaced the important one. Good morning, Charlie. Lisette, the nice, pretty girl who made Charlie's coffee every morning at the local book and cafe shop named Anna's place, cheerfully greeted her as she walked in. Lisette was always perky, no matter what the weather was like or whatever time she was working. She was a beautiful, glass-half-full kind of gal, everything Charlie felt that she herself wasn't. But although Lisette's constant smiling and her it's a great day to be alive kind of attitude sometimes got under her skin, Charlie couldn't help but genuinely like her. She approached the counter. Good morning, Lisette. It's another beautiful morning. What will you have today? Oh, I know. Why don't you try our new Spice Pumpkin Cafe Mocha? It's a nice way to warm you up on crisp autumn days, don't you think? No thanks. I'll get the usual. A regular coffee with one cream and two sugars. Aw, don't you get tired of always getting the same thing? Why not try something different for a change? Spice up your life just a little? I don't know. Sounds kind of dangerous. Dangerous? I don't understand. Do you sell zucchini-flavored coffee here? Is there even such a thing? There's your problem. What does that have to do with Spice Pumpkin Cafe Mocha? Simple. What if today of all days I decided to break my routine and indulge in something out of the ordinary just this once and actually like it? What happens then? Imagine if the world were attacked by a mutated breed of bacteria hell-bent on consuming every last pumpkin on Earth. Once there are no more pumpkins left to create spiced pumpkin coffee, where will you turn? By that point, I'll be completely hooked and we will need an appropriate replacement that comes from the pumpkin family tree. And zucchinis are related to pumpkins? Part of the squash family, yes. And if there's no such thing as zucchini-flavored coffee then I better stick to the regular to avoid addiction and possibly a mental breakdown if ever the bacteria decided to attack. Both women stared at each other until Lisette caught the faintest hint of a smile hiding on Charlie's lips. She experienced a light bulb moment, causing her to grin. Oh, what if the bacteria attacked the coffee beans instead? Touché. <laughs> oh, I totally thought you were serious. Charlie smiled and watched Lisette brew her coffee. The smell was something that she liked to inhale as deeply as she could, allowing the fragrance to tickle her senses for as long as possible. Perhaps it was her obsession with the aroma that made Lisette's constant happy-go-lucky mood more tolerable. One delicious cream coffee with a smile. Sure enough, Charlie looked into her cup and a face made out of whipped cream smiled up at her. I'm delicious, it seemed to declare, mocking Lisette's cheerful tone. Thanks, Lisette. You've given my coffee a soul, and now I get to drink it into oblivion. Lisette laughed again as Charlie left the shop, waving her farewell. As Charlie stepped outside, 
She brought her cups to her lips and breathed in deeply both the scent of her drink and the early morning city. A slight breeze brought the fragrance of newly baked bread and autumn flowers from shops down the street. It was these sensations that made her wish she got out more. The next half hour consisted of Charlie riding on a bus, cramming into an elevator with eight other people while at the same time trying not to choke on the cologne of the man standing next to her, and finally logging into her computer and setting up her headset for another fabulous day of pickle questionnaires while getting yelled at. She looked into her cup one last time before the final drink. The smiley face was now nothing more than a swirly mess of white and brown chaos. With one last gulp, she relieved the coffee of its misery. Trust me, I'd rather be digested than be here right now. She pushed the enter button to confirm she was ready to work, and so began the drudgery. She put on her best Lisette voice. Hello, could I speak to Mr. Chapman, please? A couple of hours passed, and Charlie's soul was beginning to feel dangerously similar to how her coffee must have felt with his dying slurp. It was still an hour more before she was allowed to go on her first break. She once again dialed out a new number, not knowing that this phone call was going to go much differently than she had expected. Hello, would I be able to speak with Mr. Morris, please? Yes, speaking. How are you doing today, Mr. Morris? Doing well, I hope. My name is Charlie. Mr. Morris, the reason I am calling is because the Pickle Jar Incorporate is reaching into the family home to conduct research to learn what people love most about their pickles. If you wouldn't mind lending us a few minutes of your time, your feedback would greatly benefit our findings. Hmm. Charlie waited. She expected him to either reply yes, continued by 10 minutes of senseless questioning, or listen to him yell about how he had better things to do. However, his response was neither. Well, before I agree to answer your questionnaire, I would like to ask you your opinion about something first. I'll decide if I want to be part of your research or not after that. This was a surprise. Charlie was the one meant to ask questions, not the other way around. She expected this was probably some sort of prank that would end up on YouTube. She wanted to deny his request and hang up, but something in the back of her mind told her not to, and she went along with it. Um, sure. I shouldn't be doing this. It's a little unconventional. But why not? Ask away. Terrific. <laughs> so, a couple of days ago, I was playing an online game with a friend. I told them I would be right back and went into the kitchen to make myself a sandwich. You still with me? Yes, sandwich. Got it. I put together one of my favorites. Ham and cheese with Dijon mustard. I really like the kick that Dijon stuff adds to the sandwich, you know? Well, anyway, when I got back to gaming, my friend asked me what I was eating. I told him, a ham and cheese sandwich with mustard. And do you know what he said to me? No, sir, I don't. Yuck! Mr. Morris fell silent for a moment while he probably expected Charlie to reply. But she didn't know how to react. Was she supposed to be as offended as he was? The safest thing she could think of saying was simply, Oh. That set Mr. Morris straight back into his story. I mean the nerve of the guy, am I right? So I yelled at him and said, You never even asked what kind of mustard I was using. I was so angry I logged out of the game and ate the sandwich by myself. Is this for real? Charlie asked herself. So I want to ask you what you think I should do. Should I, A... 
never speak to him again, or B, forgive him because I might have overreacted. A little, thought Charlie. That's an understatement. She took a moment to gather herself before responding. How do you respond to a story like that over the phone at work? She needed this man's cooperation to be able to keep her job. She definitely didn't want to answer option A because she thought he was insane. But if she answered the latter, then what if he got angry with her anyway? Charlie decided to go the safe route and said, I'm sorry, sir. I, I don't know what I would do. You know, I am passionate about making sandwiches. You know why? Because I make a damn good sandwich. I used to cook for a living, you see. And when I have friends over, I make the food. They love my food. I live for it. It's my passion. So, Mrs. Telemarketer, I asked your opinion because if you had a passion for something as great as I do for sandwiches, then you would understand where I'm coming from. Do you have a passion? Charlie was speechless. For one thing, she couldn't believe she was being questioned like this, especially about something so personal. Still, she still tried to think up something she was passionate about. Gaming? Sure, she could say that, but once she thought about it, it wasn't something she was necessarily passionate about. Passion's a strong word. She played video games because there was nothing else to do. She needed it to help fill the void that took up most of her waking hours. Life is meaningless if you've got nothing to live for. Charlie had never been told that so bluntly before. You need something to be passionate about. Something that's going to take you to the edge of the earth and back again. Something that's going to sear itself into your mind so deep, it's the first thing you think about when you wake up, and the last thing you think about before sleep. But anyway, seeing as how I can't get your opinion, then I'm afraid I can't be part of this survey of yours. Best of luck to you and all of your pickle endeavors. With that, Mr. Morris hung up. Charlie sat flabbergasted at her desk. To be honest, she was a little offended. Who was he to tell her that she had nothing to live for? That she lived a passionless existence? There were plenty of things that made her life worth living. Right? But as she thought about it, there was nothing of major significance that popped into her mind. There was her family and friends, of course. But even then, she didn't see or talk to them nearly as much as she should. For years, she lived her life as simple as possible. Sleep. Eat, work, gaming, and repeat. Am I really that pathetic? She wondered, maybe she was. Could it be true, even if she thought she was happy? At least, she thought she was happy. Was she happy living a perfectly boring life, working a perfectly detestable job, and never leaving her apartment if she didn't have to? The more she thought about it, a hint of sadness crept into her heart. Perhaps it was time to try new things. It was time to find something to be passionate about. Charlie's first attempt at living a more adventurous life was spiraling downward fast. She wasn't completely certain, but... Perhaps the Japanese art of swordplay was a bit out of her league. While eating breakfast that morning, 
Charlie tried in vain to figure out what exciting things she should do first, but every bite of her toast only rewarded her with more empty suggestions. She had no idea what she should do. She never left her apartment unless it was necessary, so she rarely exposed herself to different activities other than video games. Therefore, once again, that's exactly where she found herself. Questing in her online reality. The more she shot her virtual bow and took down bandits with her pixelated sword, the more frustrating it became knowing she was soul-bound to her online world. And that's when it came to her. As far as she was concerned, she was a master of combat, at least through the skills of her video game character. So why not try to apply that skill to real life? Who knew what could happen? She could read the headlines already. Vigilante gone wild. Samurai master saves the day. The blade continues slashing costs to bring you everyday low prices. When she thought about it, learning to wield a real sword made perfect sense. Right up until she nearly impaled her instructor. It was her first session, and everybody was supposed to use a practice sword. During a short break, Charlie quietly slipped away to inspect a sharper, more deadly-looking blade. She was driven purely by curiosity to handle the sword. But when she held it in her hands and felt a rush of excitement wash over her to be actually wielding a real weapon, she lost all self-control and took a few practice swings for the fun of it. She guessed the instructor must have really liked his beard if he had banned her from his dojo. Charlie stood outside once again, staring into the endless sky, feeling like there was no place for her within the entire universe. She was nothing more than forced out gas that life burped up while forgetting its manners. At that moment, she felt certain she was destined to live a meaningless life. Well, if you ask me, the beard had to go anyway. Charlie snapped out of her depressive state and noticed the man standing on the curb next to her. He was tall, with dark hair, fair skin, and a smile that instantly made her insides do a somersault. She was so taken by his appearance that she forgot to reply and stared dumbly at him. The man laughed and smiled some more. Ah, who cares about whatever lost honor you've shamed him with? You did him a favor. Charlie choked out a sound that was half gargle, half moan, coming nowhere close to the hello she intended to say. Once again, the man simply smiled back at her. I'm Rowan. Are you alright? The man's electric words pulsated through the airwaves, incapacitating her. It was no use. His charm speak was so powerful, it literally rendered her vocal abilities useless. The more she struggled against its crushing weight, the more she sounded like a wounded animal helplessly caught in a trap. She fought against the rigidity that enveloped her body, as both she and the handsome stranger stared at each other, desperately trying to escape the trance she had fallen prey to. Finally, as the man's eyebrows knit into concern, she broke free of her state and blurted out the first thing that came to her mind. My name is Charlie Cradle and I hate pickles. I hate pickles, she thought, her face turning a bright shade of red, smooth. I do hope you don't hate pickles as much as you do that guy's beard. Whew, because then I'd have to feel real bad for those little fellas. Shoving her mittened hands deep into her coat pockets, Charlie sank her head into her shoulders, turned, and walked away, 
her shoes hastily scuffing the concrete sidewalk. She never felt more embarrassed in her life. In her mind, the situation was completely unsalvageable. She made herself look like an absolute idiot. Walking away was the only solution. Hey, wait up! Where are you going? Lowering her head even further, Charlie picked up her pace and walked faster, trying to distance herself as much as possible from her embarrassment. I was, I was only teasing you about the pickle thing. I actually hate pickles too. The magnets for bad breath. Could you please go away and quit torturing me? Come on, that wasn't so bad. Look, I've already learned two important things about you. Your name and your hatred for pickles. I'd say we're off to a good start. Finally, Charlie stopped and turned to face him. Seriously, it's not funny. We both know I look like an idiot back there. Why don't you just leave me alone so I can go hide in the cave? Whoa, easy now. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Yeah, well, I'm awkward and this isn't easy for me. And I can't play bass clarinet. I guess that makes us just about even. Charlie narrowed her eyes and shook her head, trying to get an understanding of this guy. No one had ever shown such interest in her before, unless they were up to no good. What do you want with me? Is it so wrong to want to get to know a cute girl? For a single moment, Charlie's world did a pirouette as she struggled to keep from relapsing into stupefaction. Here stood a gorgeous male with his short dark hair perfectly highlighting bright and dashing eyes with a smile that literally sparkled when caught in a certain light. And he said she was cute. Her. I'm a woman. Charlie inwardly cringed at herself. That was the second dumb response. She secretly prayed to any god willing to listen to take pity on her and end her misery. Why did she have such a hard time socially? Julie noted. Charlie couldn't help but notice he was still smiling even after a constant awkwardness. It wasn't playful and teasing, but genuine and understanding. Somehow, the change in his smile made her feel different and okay, like how their initial encounter should have felt, if only she weren't so bashful. In an attempt to furthermore reduce her anxiety, she joked and asked, ASL? ASL? It's internet lingo. It means age, sex, location. I meant it as a joke, but it's sort of lame, really. I get asked that question just about on a daily basis. So, you're a creature of the internet. Mostly for gaming. Here it comes, she thought. The ever so often deal breaker. It was a gamble, but she only had a split second to decide whether or not to divulge that secret especially to a guy who just called her cute, and she let it all out there. Being known as a gamer either brought legions of crazed geeks to her doorstep, wagging their tails and slobbering like dogs, or made normal, got-their-stuff-together men shy away like it meant they would never expect a cooked meal once married. Considering how attractive Rowan was, she could have kept this secret for as long as she could, but who was she kidding? By how she dressed, and the way she talked, it wouldn't have taken long for him to put things into perspective. Bookworm and gamer geek. That's who she was in a nutshell. I can't say I've ever really been into online gaming. Yep, this was the end, thought Charlie. Any moment now, he'd back away slowly and look for the nearest getaway. But I am a sucker for lolcats. Charlie stared at him in stunned disbelief. Where was the finale? The ever-so-familiar desperate escape to get away from her. You like lolcats? 
Oh, you say it like I was some kind of nerd. No, that's not how I meant it at all. I love that website. Who would ever have thought putting funny captions to cat pictures could just make a person cry laughing? I know, right? Thank God for whoever came up with that idea. It is great to meet someone who appreciates funny cat pictures as much as I do. Oh, may- maybe we could hang out sometime and laugh at some together. Charlie stood and stared in astonishment and disbelief. Had he just asked her out on a date? At least, if looking at lolcat pictures together counted as one, then I guess so. She had never actually had a guy ask her out in person before. Especially from a guy this gorgeous. Like a lolcat date? If that's what you'd like to call it, then yeah. <laughs> a lolcat date. What do you say? I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um, sure. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Charlie wasn't sure how he did it. Perhaps it was a sleight of hand, but Rowan quickly snapped the fingers of his right hand, producing a small white card out of thin air. She was impressed. She'd always been fond of magic and had tried practicing simple card tricks, but never got the knack for it. However, he managed to conveniently snap that card into existence. It was neat, and it made her smile. Rowan returned the smile and handed her the card. It had his name and email on it. Rowan Estere, the Wandering Wizard. Charlie read the card and wondered if he was perhaps a magician. She placed it in her pocket. Email me when you got some free time. I hope to hear from you soon. Alright, see ya. They smiled at each other and parted ways. During her walk home, Charlie thought about how she had failed at her first attempt at living a more exciting life. Learning to wield dangerous weapons may not have been the best idea after all. But once she gave it some thought, had she really failed in the end? She was carrying a handsome man's email address in her pocket, who, she might add, gave it to her under his own free will. Even if a bit of anxiety had been thrown into the mix, something exciting most definitely happened that day. Oh my god, are you freaking kidding me? Charlie's fingers flew across the keyboard in a blaze of fury as she typed to verbally lay waste to a ninja looter in-game. You totally saw me going after that chest. What's your deal, man? No, you weren't. Yes, I was, you thief. Didn't you see me killing those three ghosts guarding it? I wasn't clearing this cave just for fun. The dwarf laughed, called her a noob, and disappeared before Charlie's eyes using the vanish skill respectively given to the bandit class. Ugh, nice. You're a real class act, you piece of shit. Charlie hoped the mature language filter in his chat settings was turned off so he could see exactly which very not nice words she had called him. She fought the temptation of going full nerd rage and tried reminding herself that it was just a game. But curses! She hadn't spent the last 20 minutes single-handedly clearing a dangerous cave just to have some little kid sneak up from behind her and snatch her loot. She removed her headphones, logged out of the game, pushed in her keyboard, and walked away from her computer to stand by her apartment window. (sighs) What to do? Since deciding on seeking excitement in her life three days ago, Charlie had asked for a few days off work. Her boss, who liked to be referred to as Mr. Director, a self-proclaimed title that made him feel more important than he actually was, hummed and hawed in consideration of her request, listing off bogus inconsistencies in her surveys. 
When things looked like they weren't going to go her way, she brought up how she had never missed a day of work since she had been hired. Mr. Director finally gave in, making certain she noted how big a favor he was doing her and that hopefully the pickle surveys wouldn't take too much of a blow with her absence. She knew he was just ranting for the sake of ranting, but nonetheless, she praised him for it anyway. Anything was better than standing around smelling the sweetly sick odor of liquor off his breath. She wondered if drinking was the only way he could tolerate his job. Now that she had a few days off, she had no idea what else to do. Looking down from her apartment window, Charlie watched as people milled about their lunch break and treated themselves to their cravings. Living in an apartment overlooking so many takeout restaurants was convenient during times she was feeling too lazy to cook, but on days like today they were more like a sinister temptation. She had to budget the bank with taking so many days off work. Money was always tight, living from paycheck to paycheck. She knew she'd have to sacrifice some things that week if she were going to search for some excitement. Looking at a kid holding a jumbo-sized slice of pizza sure wasn't making it easy. If only the vanish ability worked in real life. She weighed the ethical dilemma of just this once ninja looting that little boy's pizza. Charlie tore her eyes away from the streets below before she risked compromising her moral compass. After the events from the day before, specifically chopping off a man's beard with a sword, Charlie didn't have the motivation to seek other excitement that day. So what was there to do? She was really beginning to doubt her decision of taking time off work to pursue such a crazy idea. Now that she thought about it, she couldn't believe she let some crazy guy's tirade about a sandwich cut her so deep. Because who was she kidding? She wasn't prepared to go skydiving just to seek a thrill. And honestly, there wasn't a whole lot she could think of doing that was easy and accessible enough for her to pick up on a whim. Skateboarding? The tricks were difficult and potentially dangerous, and she'd read a lot about how it's considered an extreme sport. Pulling off gnarly tricks would definitely be awesome. But, considering that she had hard enough time trying to jump over small puddles without slipping face first into them, it didn't build her resume in a positive light. Check that off the idea list. Deep sea fishing? It would be pretty epic to reel in a swordfish. On the other hand, she knew she'd be torn out of her seat and thrown out of the boat like a minister tearing the devil off his immaculate daughter. Check that off the idea list. Drowning at sea didn't exactly sound like a fun time. What about exotic dancing? Yep, that was enough. She shut down all other attempts at brainstorming before she thought up something even crazier than taking off her clothes in front of complete strangers. Charlie walked along the walls of her small living room. She was starting to regret taking nearly a week off from work. Normally, the idea of being able to play video games for days uninterrupted would have sounded like a dream come true. But this was supposed to be about something different. Except, she realized there wasn't anything else she was brave enough to do. On her fifth circuit around the living room, Charlie stopped in front of her bookshelf. She often did this when she was bored. She admired her collection of books she had picked up throughout the years. None of the books were in any particular order, but depending on what kind of mood she was in, she sometimes liked to take them all out and rearrange them all over again. Sometimes it went alphabetically by title or author, from biggest to smallest, from favorite to least favorite, and sometimes she just liked to match colors. Today though, she reached for the top shelf, where she let her index finger slide from one side to the other, 
dragging over titles like Brandon Mull's Fablehaven, Neil Gaiman's American Gods, J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit, and all seven books from J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series. As Charlie let her finger slide off the spine of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, thinking of Harry's magic and wizardry made her think of Rowan's nifty magically appearing card trick. Two days had passed since, and every time she looked at the card where it lay on her computer desk, a sick, nervous feeling roiled in her stomach. She thought about him constantly since their meeting on the sidewalk. She couldn't get him out of her mind. Things like that never happened to a girl like her. All throughout her high school years, she often fantasized about dreamy guys sweeping her off her feet. In reality, they usually just tripped her instead. So just who was this Rowan? Extremely gorgeous? Check. Great personality? Check. Way out of her league? Double check. Charlie lost count how many times she wondered if his interest was her was maybe just some cruel joke. She picked up the card with his email address time after time, always coming to the decision of tossing the card into the trash. But she would say to herself, what if he's being honest? And like clockwork, she placed the card back down on her desk. That damn sandwich, she thought. Of course, he would have to be the most delicious looking sandwich. Charlie wondered why she hadn't given him her email address instead. Not that she had any experience with dating, but wasn't it the guy who was supposed to make the first move? I guess he did go ahead and ask her out, but still, it seemed only right that he contacted her rather than the other way around. Well, it was too late to go back and change things now. She cursed her social awkwardness. Was two days long enough, she wondered? Would it make her look desperate if she messaged him too soon? What if he had other plans? This was turning out to be much more stressful than she imagined. But in the end, biting the bullet and deciding there was no better time than the present, she returned to her desk and placed her fingers on the keyboard, emailing him to see if he'd like to hang out. Her heartbeat increased with every word she typed. She felt like her heart was literally trying to tear its way out of her chest in an attempt to save itself from the fear of rejection. Click. Charlie stared at her computer monitor. The, your message has been sent notification, instantly sending a wave of nausea and regret through her. So, she spent the next hour and a half stuffing her face with ice cream, screaming into a pillow, crying in the shower, watching sappy romance clips on YouTube, and not necessarily all in that order. She fought the temptation of checking her email every five minutes, but was doing a poor job of it. This felt ten times worse than the compulsion of wanting to refresh the tracking page on a FedEx shipment every ten seconds. And to think, this was all for the sake of a lolcat date. Finally, after nearly two excruciating hours of suspense, she refreshed her browser one last time. Rowan finally replied to her message. Hi Charlie, is it Wednesday already? To answer your question, yes, let's see each other. I've been waiting for your email since last we met. How about we meet at an internet cafe? I know of a great one downtown that sells great cafe mochas called Anna's Place. Have you heard of it? Let me know, and I'll meet you there around 6. Talk soon. Rowan. Charlie read Rowan's email three times before she believed what she was reading. From deep within her, a girlish excitement began to bubble until it finally exploded into a squeal of joy. 
She was 21 years old and had never officially gone out on a date with a guy before. Anxiety and delight battled each other in her mind as she struggled to figure out all the small details for the upcoming evening, such as what to wear and whether or not she should put her hair up or down. She wondered if all women secretly acted this way behind closed doors before a date. Charlie felt embarrassed at her lack of experience, but she quickly forgot about it. Tonight, she had a Lowell cat date. The brisk autumn wind was especially sharp that evening as Charlie walked to Anna's place. It was 5.57pm and the sun had already begun its descent into the western horizon. Charlie liked this. She liked how the sun began to set earlier in the day because of her night owl personality. Her father often teased her about being a vampire of sorts because she didn't get enough sunshine and spent most of her time locked away reading books. She also liked rainy days because something about cloudy skies and the drizzle of rain felt comforting. She would spend hours sitting along the veranda, listening to the rain while doodling on paper or reading a book. The calming pitter-patter of raindrops was like a barrier against the outside world. She had always been awkward, a clumsy outcast who never fit in. People stayed inside on rainy days. It was a good excuse not to have to socialize. 5.59 p.m. If Charlie was good for something, it was always being on time. One of her pet peeves was a lack of punctuality. She stood in front of Anna's place with her stomach in knots, and she couldn't tell whether her teeth chattered from the cold or anxiety. What if Lisette was working that night? Oh, sweet mother of mercy. She would never hear the end of it every time she came for morning coffee, if she was. She could already hear the perkiness in Lisette's voice, asking for every single detail. 6 p.m. It was time. Charlie walked through the front doors and looked around the small cafe bookshop for any signs of Rowan. And there he was, waving to her from one of the back tables lined up against a large window. She took one last deep breath, gathered her courage, and went on to sit with him. Six o'clock, right on the dial. I could not sound that better myself. I'm glad that we could see each other. It's a gift. Or maybe obsessive-compulsive disorder. I've never figured out which one. So, you ready for a Wednesday evening fun and spectacular lolcat extravaganza? Might as well order some coffee while my laptop warms up. What are you craving? My treat. You don't have to do that for me. I can pay for my own. Please, I insist. Rowan smiled so brightly and irresistibly that Charlie couldn't bring herself to say no. Are you sure? Oh, uh, all right. Could I get a regular with one cream and two sugars? Okay. One cream and two sugars coming right up. Rowan stood and approached the front counter to put in their order. While he was away, Charlie took the liberty of removing her coat and hat and got comfortable. However, when she glanced over and noticed who was taking Rowan's order, she felt like shrinking into her seat. Lisette noticed her right away. She waved with great enthusiasm, pointing at Rowan as he turned away and miming a heart-melting faint. Whatever God looked down on Charlie that night wanted her good and embarrassed for her first date. Great. Coffee's being prepared, and the woman at the counter offered to bring it over once it's finished. She seems nice. Yeah, a bright dose of sunshine. So, what have you been up to since the other day? 
You drop off any resumes to any of the local barbershops? Because I think you definitely show some beard trimming potential. Yes, actually. But none of them seemed eager to replace scissors with swords. Just give it some time. Just a few more years of technological evolution, and you will be giving men the closest shave of their lives. Walking over from the main counter, carrying two hot beverages on a round tray, Lisette interrupted their conversation and gave them their drinks. She looked at Charlie excitedly. Here's a spiced pumpkin cafe mocha for the handsome gentleman, and a regular coffee with one cream and two sugars for the lucky lady. Charlie Cradle, you never told me you had such a cute friend. How long have the both of you been dating? Charlie tried answering that they weren't dating, that they had just met and decided to get together tonight. But her body did that really annoying thing whenever she got embarrassed and shut down. To her surprise, Rowan took the lead, and his response made her feel kind of good. This is our first date, actually. Charlie and I only just met a couple of days ago, after she impressed me with her swordsmanship. That was truly something to see. So afterwards, I crossed my fingers, and I hoped that she'd allow me the pleasure of taking her out. Oh my god! That is the sweetest thing I have ever heard. I didn't know you could use a sword, Charlie. You are really just full of surprises. I don't like to toot my own horn. Need to keep a low profile, you know? Well, there are customers waiting for me by the counter, so I better get back to work. You two enjoy the rest of your night. Oh, you two are friends. Sort of, I guess. I usually just stop by here every morning to get coffee on my way to work. She likes to talk. Yeah, I noticed. Is she always this happy? It's kind of creepy. It's like she has no concept of anything other than pure joy. But she's really sweet, so I like her. Not to mention, she makes really good coffee. Um, except for this one. Charlie looked around the table for sugar. I don't see any sugar packets here. I'm going to be right back. I'm going to go grab one from the counter. No need. There's some right here. As Charlie was moving to get up, she paused and looked back to discover there were in fact a few sugar packets lying around. That was odd. Moments earlier, there had been none at all. She was mystified. That's weird. I know I just looked there. Oh, funny how that happens, huh? Kind of like magic. Speaking of magic, I can't stop thinking about that card trick you did the other day. It was so seamless and smooth. How'd you do that? You hear the expression, a magician never reveals his secrets? You're a magician? Well, I've never performed on a stage, if that's what you're asking. So why hold out on me if you're not going to put on a show? Alright, you win. Just be warned, this kind of information, it doesn't come cheap. What do you mean? I can't go revealing my secrets for nothing now, can I? Let me think. A kiss? Should be a sufficient price to pay for my secret. Charlie was taken by utter surprise. Part of her mind said, Whoa there, cowboy! While the other part looked into his eyes and admired the blue sunburst, his short, dark hair perfectly framing his handsome face. She had never kissed anyone before. The thought made her feel so nervous it was paralyzing. She hardly knew him. In fact, other than the kind of coffee he liked and his interest in lolcats, she knew next to nothing about him. But she had to admit, those lips looked really hard to resist. 
Um... Ah, I'm sorry if that was too forward. I can see that you're the kind of woman who likes to play hard to get. I can respect that. How about we settle for a kiss in the cheek instead? Right here. Well... Alright. Charlie swiftly leaned over the table and pecked Rowan on the cheek. She sat back and tried desperately not to appear shy. Of course, Lisette, who was hopping excitedly behind the counter and clapping her hands, wasn't helping in the matter. Rowan looked at her and smiled. I guess it's my turn to hold up to my end of the bargain. You really want to know how I did the card trick? Charlie nodded shyly. It's magic. Charlie continued to look at him expectantly, still waiting for the trick reveal. But Rowan seemed finished and satisfied with his response, lifting his cup to his lips and taking a sip of his coffee. That's it. What's it? It's magic. Yeah, magic. Come on, I know it's magic. But you still have to tell me how you did it. I held up my end of the bargain after all. I've already told you, it's magic. That's the secret. You're really not going to tell me. Charlie started feeling embarrassed. If Rowan believed tricking her into kissing his cheek without revealing a secret was going to get him anywhere, he was wrong. Sure, it was only a quick peck on the cheek, but even that small act of affection was more than she had ever done with a man. If that was how he was going to act, she was going to make sure not to make that same mistake twice. I'm sorry that you can't accept my answer, but it's the truth. What else can I say? Charlie sighed and decided to drop the conversation. If he wanted to act that way, then fine. But he wasn't doing himself any favors. So, when are we going to look at cat pictures? Rowan flipped open his laptop to face her. On the display was a picture of a very sad kitten with his head hanging low, captioned with, I are sorry, you is pretty. Still mad? Charlie wanted so much to still be mad at him, but the picture was so adorably cute she couldn't help but smile and laugh out loud. Curse him for using adorable cuteness to win this battle. But really, she was glad. It made her forget all about being angry. I've never been on a lolcat date before. I wonder if this is the first one in history. I almost feel kind of silly that my first date involves looking at funny cat pictures. This is your first date? Charlie inwardly cringed for letting that sensitive bit of information slip. She looked at Rowan with an expression that said, I know, pathetic, right? Wow, that's incredible. I know, no need to rub it in, okay? No, no, I, I mean that I must be a pretty lucky guy if you've chosen me to be your very first date. Lizette's perky voice rang in Charlie's head as her heart made a small somersault in her chest. Oh my god! That is the sweetest thing I have ever heard. Charlie blushed and smiled. She found it amazing how one moment she could be shy, then angry, then completely googly-eyed over him. Not for the first time, she wondered how it was possible that a guy like him could genuinely seem to be attracted to a girl like her. Charlie and Rowan spent the rest of the evening laughing at funny cat pictures and getting to know each other. This was the first time since she could remember that she spent a night outside of her apartment, especially with somebody else. Typically, she would never think of going out for the night. Staying home within the comfort of her personal living space was safe and predictable. She knew how the night would play out and wouldn't have to worry about the unpredictability of the social world. Things were orderly and in place, and it provided all the excitement she thought she needed. At least, that's what she told herself. 
But tonight, she was glad to be with Rowan, whoever he was. The next morning, Charlie was woken by someone pounding at her door. Rolling over in bed, she pried open her left eye just enough to see what time it was on her Star Wars R2-D2 alarm clock. 8.31 a.m. Who the heck was knocking at her door this early in the morning? She didn't remember ordering anything from eBay or Amazon lately, so it couldn't have been the delivery guy. Her next-door neighbor, Marjorie, an elderly lady who often asked to use her internet to look up cooking recipes, was out on vacation visiting her son and wouldn't be returning for two more months. It couldn't be a friend because internet people didn't knock on doors. Whoever was at the door knocked even louder the second time around. Charlie dragged herself out of the bed, threw on a housecoat, and grumbled a few choice words along the way to answer it. Too tired and grumpy to bother looking through the peephole to see who it was, she just grabbed the handle, twisted it sharply, and flung the door open. Charlie's expression went from a drowsy, don't bother me in the morning, to wide awake in seconds. Standing before her was a woman sporting short black hair, serious eyes expertly framed with a dash of eyeliner, a fair complexion, and full red lips that Charlie felt were laced with ill intent. Her outfit was made up of a frilly white dress shirt left unbuttoned near the top to reveal more cleavage than Charlie could ever dream of having. She had a black leather underbust corset going around her midsection, cupping her breasts, and tight dark blue denim jeans with dark cowgirl boots. She stood in the doorway, holding a black leather jacket thrown over her shoulder with her index and middle fingers. She radiated confidence and command, and as Charlie stood before her wearing nothing but a purple bathrobe with cartoonish flowers, she felt like shrinking beneath the weight of her gaze. Charlie Cradle, I presume? Yes, I'm Charlie Cradle. May I come in? Before giving Charlie any time to answer, she impolitely walked past her and straight into the living room. She glanced around as if she were inspecting a crime scene. Charlie was stunned and certainly didn't appreciate a random stranger barging into her home. Actually, I... Let's cut to the chase, shall we? Who are you, and what do you think you're doing? The name's Roxy. I'm a bounty hunter. I'm looking for a certain someone who I believe you've got connections to. So how about we make this easy, and you just tell me where he is? You're what? What are you talking about? Charlie's mind reeled with the question of why a bounty hunter would have any interest in her. Didn't they just hunt down criminals? Ugh, mortals. You people seem to have such a hard time grasping details. Not to mention your sense of taste. Just look at this place. Total nerd central. Why he's got any interest in you is beyond me. Two things set Charlie off at that moment. Number one, who is she to come uninvited into her home and insult her like that? Sure, she might have been graceful and gorgeous, but that didn't give her any right to criticize her the way she did. Charlie thought if she were just a bit braver, she'd sock it to her. But then, considering Roxy was a bounty hunter, maybe getting into a fight with her might not be such a good idea. Number two, why did she refer to her 
as mortal. Listen, I don't know who you are or why you think I've got anything to do with whoever you're looking for, but I want you to leave now. Roxy stopped by her computer desk and faced Charlie, a mischievous grin across her lips. What if I don't? What are you going to do to me? Charlie decided to choose her next words carefully. She had never gotten into a fight before, and she wasn't sure if her first one should be against a bounty hunter who had a look in her eyes, begging her to try. I'll call the cops. Bounty hunter or not, you don't have a warrant and you've entered my home without my consent. That's so cute. Don't worry, honey. I don't plan on hanging around this dump any longer than I have to. Now, just tell me where I can find Rowan, and I'll be out of your hair. Rowan? Why was this woman after such a nice guy as him? He was kind, funny, and caring. Was there something about him that she didn't know of? Suddenly, dangerous possibilities raced through her mind. Was he secretly some kind of serial killer? What if he was a thief or... Worse yet, a human trafficker. It's just that he seems so nice. What if this was his game? Trick girls into danger using his charm. No, something didn't feel quite right. One look at Roxy, and she knew that whatever Rowan might be guilty of, that woman definitely was up to equally no good. She looked at Roxy in the eye and lied. She wasn't about to be intimidated in her own home. I have no idea who you're talking about. Oh, is that so? Then where did you get this? Roxy picked up a small white card off of Charlie's computer desk and held it up for her to see. It was Rowan's name and email address. Charlie kept her mouth shut, practicing her right to remain silent, refusing to give up any information. Roxy grinned. You know, the more you resist, the harder it's going to get for you. For the both of you. I know you've emailed each other, so there's no sense in prolonging the inevitable. I'm going to catch him. But if you insist on being difficult, then I'll let you two play your little game until I've cornered and trapped you. He can't keep hiding behind the mask of a wizard forever. Leave now. I'm not going to tell you again. Fine, fine. But when you see Rowan again, be sure to give him a kiss from me and tell him Roxy is closing in. Roxy exited the apartment. Charlie angrily slammed the door on her heels. Annoyed and fuming from the ears, she stomped her way to the window where she watched Roxy mount a black and red racing motorcycle, taking off spinning from where she illegally parked. Charlie wished she had the nerve and skill to give her a beating. In reality, all she would accomplish would be to pull out a bit of her hair before being taken down and having her ribs broken. She hoped that would be the last she saw of her, but somehow she knew it wouldn't be. Roxy seemed like a no-jokes kind of woman who took her job seriously. Chances were they'd have another run-in eventually. All that begged a more important question. A question she would soon have to get answers to if she wished to avoid any more social unpredictabilities. Exactly who was Rowan Astaire? Later that day, Charlie met Rowan at June Park, where she found him sitting on a bench feeding seeds to a small number of birds. 
After the incident with Roxy earlier that morning, she'd written him another email asking to meet again. Rowan didn't notice Charlie approaching as she walked down the stone path toward him. He leaned forward, wearing a brown coat with his elbows on his knees and smiled at the assortment of chickadees, blue jays, and morning doves hopping around in front of the park bench enjoying seeds. The sun bathed him in a glow of warmth and golden color. His dark hair shone and his sparkling blue eyes complimented his gentle smile. Once again, Charlie melted at the sight of him. He was beautiful, and she wondered how someone so seemingly perfect could be the target of an arrogant bounty hunter. The birds took to the air as Charlie approached the bench. Rowan looked up at her and smiled, saying hello and motioning for her to take a seat next to him. Sorry I scared the birds away. Ah, don't worry. They'll be back once you settle in. What's that you're feeding them? Oh, sunflower seeds. Would you like some? They aren't roosted like the ones that you buy from the store. It's the way I like them. The birds, too. No thanks. That's okay. Rowan nodded, and with his index finger and thumb, he flicked a seed into his mouth. Charlie felt awkward. She hoped it wasn't showing. If Rowan had noticed, he wasn't letting on. She couldn't stop thinking about the things Roxy said. It had been eating at her all morning, and what she wanted more than anything at that moment was to get honest and direct answers. Only a few days ago, her life had been perfectly predictable and safe. There were no unexpected twists to worry about. She had been completely happy, she thought, living her monotonous, boring life. Now all this talk about mortals, magic, bounty hunters, and wizards was starting to give her a headache. She wondered if the amount of books and video games she consumed every day was beginning to have a strange effect on her mind. For a long moment, Rowan and Charlie let the silence stretch out between them as they simply stared at the flock of geese in the pond that had yet to fly south before the winter months. The day was partly clouded and quiet, and not so cold as to keep them from enjoying the weather. Once the smaller birds returned to feed on more sunflower seeds, Rowan interrupted the stillness. So, you said there was something that you wanted to talk about in your email. Yeah. Was it something I did? No, you didn't do anything specifically. It's just that I had a strange run-in with someone named Roxy this morning. She claims to be a bounty hunter. Says she knows you. Oh. She said some really weird things about mortals and you hiding behind the mask of a wizard. Honestly, I feel bizarre even bringing it up. She knew about our emails too, which makes absolutely no sense. I knew using my email would probably tip her off to my whereabouts. But I took the risk because I really wanted to get to know you. You mean there really is a bounty hunter who's out to get you? Rowan nodded. Charlie's heart beat faster. She didn't want to believe Roxy was telling the truth. But maybe all this time, Rowan was just too good to be true. Because really, who was she kidding? What sane, gorgeous man would ever be interested in her? She was a geek, a nobody. She never had a chance with a guy like that in her teens, and she definitely didn't have a chance with a guy like that now. In her world, it was more likely she'd be a target of human traffickers than actually be someone's love interest. I need to know the truth about you. I mean, for the love of God, I don't think I'd survive if you sold me into prostitution. What? <laughs> I'm not going to sell you into prostitution. Who would you get a crazy idea like that? Oh sure, you say that now, but isn't that what all criminals say? 
criminal wouldn't admit to being a criminal, would he? So what are you, some kind of computer wizard? Is that what Roxy meant? You hack into government databases to steal women's personal information so you can woo them to abuse them? You must really have a wild imagination if you took the time to brew up a story like that. Is that what you think I am? A criminal? Why else would a bounty hunter be looking for you? That's how they make their living, right? They hunt bad guys? I mean, it all sort of makes sense now when I think about it. What makes sense? Why you seem to be so interested in me. I mean, I'm not exactly a bombshell like Roxy. I'm just some geek with no life. Charlie choked back a sob and looked away, avoiding Rowan's gaze for fear of losing control and crying. Then, she felt a warm hand sit atop her own, and turning her head back around, she found Rowan looking back at her with soft eyes and a warm smile. You know, I tried telling you last night at the coffee shop, but you wouldn't believe me. Wouldn't believe what? Rowan let go of her hand and reached into the bag of seeds he carried on his lap. He pulled out a single sunflower seed and held it up between his index finger and thumb, examining it closely. Once he appeared satisfied with whatever he was looking for, he smiled. Look. Charlie looked at the small seed intently. She wasn't exactly sure what she was looking for, but nevertheless, she inspected it carefully. Then, Rowan blew on the seed and flicked it away where it then landed some distance into the grass. Charlie raised her eyebrows at him curiously. Watch. Charlie didn't know where this was going, but decided to humor him. Besides being a possible criminal, she hoped he wasn't also mentally insane. But then, something miraculous happened. Charlie stared in disbelief as right before her very eyes, directly from where Rowan's seed had fallen, A beautiful sunflower began to grow and take shape, not stopping until it was fully matured. In the midst of autumn, when things began to fade away, right here before her under a partly clouded sky, the most vibrant and beautiful sunflower she had ever seen sprouted from the cold earth. An impossibility unbelievably made possible. Her eyes were wide with astonishment. She slowly stood and moved away from the park bench to inspect the flower more closely. She touched the warm petals of the newly born blossom. How did you... (laughs) I told you. It's magic. You mean you really are? Rowan, charming as ever, bowed and smiled. Rowan Astaire, traveling wizard at your service. Part of Charlie expected cameramen to come around the corner to reveal she had been punked. That part of her couldn't help but try to find a reasonable explanation to all this. He had to be joking. Wizards weren't real. They were the product of video games and good stories, fabled wise men of legends and Hollywood movies. One of her online friends played a wizard. Gandalf and Harry Potter were wizards, not real-life people sitting in parks and feeding birds. He liked lolcats for crying out loud. But that sunflower, how it just grew like that. If she hadn't seen it for herself, she would never have believed it. She even felt its petals with her own hands. It was hard to dismiss something so incredible. You look like you're having a hard time coming to terms with this. Yeah, just a little. I mean, you're asking me to believe you're a wizard. A real life wielder of magic. 
So the sunflower spell wasn't enough to convince you? Yes. No. I mean, do something else so I know this isn't some sort of trick. Please? Rowan nodded his agreement. Charlie took a step back, butterflies in her stomach. He walked around the park bench and looked around to make sure nobody else was present. Then, he walked over to a tree where several red and yellow leaves were barely holding on to their branches. Moving his hands through the air in a series of waving motions, he beckoned the leaves to let go. Like metal drawn to a magnet, every leaf fell from the tree and sailed through the air, collecting into the middle of what looked like a small whirlwind swirling before him. They swooshed and swirled as the wind increased in volume, and all the while, Rowan laughed like he was having the time of his life. The leaves began to take shape. The whirlwind melted into the image of a woman and the very likeness of Charlie herself, made completely of tree leaves. Charlie gasped and raised her hand to her mouth as the red and yellow lady stepped lightly toward her, her every footfall carrying the sound of leaves in the wind. The detail was amazing, right down to her facial structure and the wrinkles in her clothing. The leaf image smiled at her. Once her initial shock melted away, she smiled back. Then, as they reached out and connected fingertips, her mirror image fell apart and scattered in the wind. She watched the leaves blow away, mouth agape with awe. Rowan stood leaning up against the newly naked tree, smiling victoriously. Now do you believe me? Charlie couldn't deny it. She had witnessed indisputable proof of his ability to perform real magic, no matter how extraordinarily absurd it may sound. How could she argue the facts? She looked at him, eyes bright with excitement. You're a wizard! Charlie dedicated the next day for some hardcore gaming. She had been blown away by Rowan's magic the night before. They were nothing short of miraculous. She had been itching to log into her wizard character in-game ever since to perform a little razzle-dazzle of her own. Rowan's power had not only filled her with awe, it also brought out her inner geek. Charlie was always this way. Whenever she watched martial arts movies, she wanted to run out into the streets and start kicking and punching people, performing sick backflips and wall jumps and maybe even stop a mugger. When she watched inspirational movies, she wanted to stop world hunger or change the world in some other positive way. And when she watched anything to do with magic or sorcery, she always ran to her online gaming world to lay down the law with her level 60 fire mage. Charlie and Rowan walked around the park last night for what felt like hours talking about what it was like to be a wizard. While she played her video game, slaying monsters and saving citizens in distress, she replayed the things they talked about over and over again in her mind. Have you always been a wizard? Like, were you born from a magical family and taken to a wizard school like Harry Potter? Or is it something you learned and kept practicing at? Magic has always been a part of who I am. Although in recent years, while I've been traveling, I've been trying to keep it on the down low for the most part. How come? Does it have something to do with Roxy? You still haven't explained why a bounty hunter is after you. 
You're positive you're not a criminal, right? Positive. And that story is a little bit more complicated to explain. What I can tell you is that I believe Roxy's resolve to catch me may be fueled by something... a bit more beyond the law. What do you mean? It was a long time ago, but there was a time when we used to date. It was never anything serious. I found it to be a bit... extreme, to put things lightly. Now, unfortunately for me, she is not exactly satisfied with how things ended. Oh boy. This is what I get for dating a bounty hunter. I see. Ah, look, don't worry over her too much. She's been after me for much longer than I'd care to admit. I've been pretty good at keeping out of her reach. It's why I call myself the Traveling Wizard. If I don't keep moving around, she eventually closes in. It's not exactly the ideal lifestyle, but I don't really have much of a choice. I'm trying to find a way to change all that. Charlie thought about that. Did it mean he would eventually have to leave her for a different town in order to evade Roxy as well? She knew that she had only just met him, and things weren't that serious. Even so, she had already begun to really like him. No one had ever taken interest in her before the way he has. She would be sad if he left, but she also knew how necessary it was for him to leave if he wished not to be captured. Why would you give me your email if you knew it would only tip her off to where you are? It's less risky that way. You see, magical people, they have the innate ability to sense other magical people through their actions. If I had used a phone, the energy in my voice alone would have helped to narrow in on my position much quicker. Using email is still a little risky, but it's harder to track since, you know, I'm just pushing buttons. To be honest, I've got no idea how she even manages it. That's how she knew to check out your place. Gee, thanks for that. Uh, look, I'm, I'm sorry. I couldn't think of a better way. You know, it's actually kind of frustrating. It's like leaving behind a magical fingerprint no matter what I do. Exactly what law have you broken anyway? Isn't there a fine you can pay to let you off the hook? Like I said, that's the complicated part. I hate to hide anything from you, but it has to do with the laws of magic and the people who govern them. I'm afraid the more you know, the more difficult things are going to become for you. Can you trust me for this once? Well, I guess. Thanks, Charlie. If things ever settle down for me, I promise you one day I will explain everything. Rowan reached for her hand and held it in his own and squeezed it reassuringly. She smiled. So, have you ever had a conversation with a swan? You can do that? Yo, I've only ever tried this one spell on a duck, but it shouldn't really be that much different. The excited little girl inside Charlie squealed with excitement as they both raced off toward the pond to talk to a swan. Rowan had shown her a lot of neat little tricks, but that was by far the coolest yet. Now that Charlie was playing her game, where she just turned a charging minotaur into a penguin using one of her transformation spells... She remembered that she forgot to ask Rowan about one very specific thing Roxy had said. She had gotten so caught up with all the fancy and amazing magic he was doing that she had forgotten about everything else. She couldn't blame herself for it, really. Who else ever got to learn magic was actually real? Wizards and spells were part of fairy tales, and she felt like she was now living one. It was amazing. But what did Roxy mean when she called her immortal? She really wished she would have remembered to bring it up. It was something she would definitely need to ask the next time she saw him. 
Something else they talked about was to figure out a way to contact each other if using a phone or email puts Psycho Lady Bounty Hunter on their trail. Charlie decided to give Rowan her address before parting ways. They agreed to seeing each other again that night since it was Charlie's last day off before returning to work. After that, depending on what kind of schedule her boss gave her for missing so much time, she wasn't sure when she'd be able to see him again. So, Charlie satisfied herself that day with adventuring in her online reality as much as possible. Then, after spending all of her morning and much of the afternoon questing and obliterating goblins and ogres, just as she was about to log off and get ready for her second date with Rowan, a message flashed on her screen, notifying her that Tom's character, Vinland, had come online. She hadn't talked with him for the past few days and thought she would stay online a while longer to chat with him. Hey! Hey, Vin! How's it going? I haven't seen you on for days. You even missed last night's guild run, and, uh, ooh, guess what dropped? No! Don't tell me! Yep, afraid so. The Bow of Lesser Destruction! Dun dun dun! Why? Fortune doth not shine upon thee. Of course it would drop on the night I've gone out. You actually went outside. Infamous hermit, Charlie Cradle, has actually seen what street lamps look like past sundown. Hey, I work late sometimes, you know. And occasionally, the night calls for snacks. I applaud you for taking your first steps experiencing the outside world. What happened? Did a fire force everyone from your building? Watch it, mister, or I'll turn you into a penguin. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm sure the guild will make another run for it if you want. But really, what like, what got you out? Well, if you must know, I kind of met a guy the other day. Oh? That's cool. Yeah. Is it serious? Um, we're just getting to know each other right now. We've gotten together a couple times, and we're going out again tonight. Huh. I guess I won't be seeing you online tonight, either. That's too bad. I'm sure you can find somebody else to stand in front of monsters for. Yeah, I could. But it just wouldn't be the same without you. Oh, stop it. There's nothing special about me. But I hope you have fun tonight, seriously. You deserve it. Charlie wanted to tell Tom about Rowan. She was almost bursting at the seams, holding in the incredible secret she had learned. She wanted to tell him that magic was real. That she had seen amazing things happen and that spells and wizardry wasn't only confined to their online characters. Except Rowan had mentioned how he was trying to keep his magic on the down low. Even if he hadn't directly told her not to tell anybody, she would feel like she was somehow betraying his trust if she did. Something else picked at her just now. Was it in her head? Or was Tom acting kind of funny? Thanks, Ben. Well, I better log out. I need to go get ready. One of these nights when I'm off work, we'll definitely need to put some game time together soon. I look forward to it. Have fun. With a few swift clicks of her mouse, Charlie logged out and set off to get ready. This was going to be her second official date with Rowan. A real date this time, in a real restaurant, no lol cats involved. She also made sure Rowan chose a place where she was certain she wouldn't run into anybody she knew. She didn't want to go through another experience like she did with Lisette. So Charlie busied herself for the rest of the afternoon preparing for what she hoped was going to be another magical date. Quite literally. More than once, she recalled her conversation with Tom. Inexperienced as she may be, she wasn't completely clueless. 
She had known Tom long enough now to know that he wasn't acting his normal self. But whatever was going on with him would have to wait. She didn't want anything to interfere with her upcoming date with Rowan. She hoped there would be burgers and fries. That evening, Charlie found Rowan exactly where he said he'd be waiting. There beneath the street lamp, in front of the local flower shop, Rowan stood dressed in black dress pants, a white shirt, and a long black coat that reached down to his knees. He held a single rose and looked as dashing as ever. Movie perfect if she was being honest, which only strengthened her position that she was living within a simulation. Regardless, she was glad she opted to wear one of her nicer looking dresses. Even if it was a bit casual, it's better than being totally underdressed. Looking at Rowan now, the way he stood there waiting for her, this was exactly what Charlie had always dreamed about. All her life, despite her social awkwardness and interest in everything geeky, she always wished for someone to ride up on a white horse and sweep her off her feet. Rowan may not have rescued her from a dragon, but those spells in the park definitely made up for it. She's never experienced anything like it. Rowan's way with nature was awe-inspiring. The fact he did all those things for her, all to prove he cared, made her heart melt. When Rowan finally noticed Charlie approaching, he stood up a little straighter and smiled. Wow, you look great. Thanks. I don't own a lot of nice dresses, so I was hoping this one would do. Is that flower for me? I do hope you like it. That's really sweet. No one's ever given me a flower before. Well, besides the time my cousin tricked me into eating a dandelion. How did he manage that? He said he saw a fairy sprinkle sparkles over it, and that it would give me magical powers. I'm kind of a sucker for that sort of thing, as you probably noticed. Clever of him. Except fairies don't actually sprinkle sparkles. Why do you say that? Is that some more of your wizardly knowledge? Yeah, something like that. So, are you ready to eat? Would it be rude to say that I'm starving? Where did you have in mind? If everything's alright with you, I was thinking something casual tonight. I have been to far too many fancy dinners in my lifetime. That's perfect. To be honest, no one's ever taken me out to dinner before either, so... Somewhere casual would be a good place to start. But these fancy dinners have me curious. Where does this traveling wizard come from? Not any place near here, thank the stars. People from home think a lot of themselves. It's why I started traveling so I could escape that life, but it hasn't been easy. That's because Roxy is after you, isn't it? <sighs> if people are anything like she is from where you're from, then no wonder you left. She's awful. All of them can be a pain in the neck, but she's in a league of her own. <sighs> now, back to where we're gonna eat. Have you been to the Fisherman's Corner? not a big fan of seafood, to be honest. Then you're in luck, because across these here dark and dangerous streets lies an establishment selling the finest of burger and fries. Yar! I was hoping for burgers and fries. Charlie thought Rowan's plans were perfect. She had been afraid if things got too fancy, she'd be even more out of her element than she already was. Dating and the messy interaction of getting to know people without a digital barrier between them didn't come easy to her. If she were with any other guy besides Rowan, 
She was positive that her geek lifestyle, awkwardness, and social anxiety would have driven him away. But Rowan was different. His easygoing, down-to-earth personality made her feel comfortable, like he never judged her for being the person she was. That felt good, because all things put aside, she liked being who she was. She didn't like all the little quirks that made her socially handicapped, but she liked sleeping in late, wearing her Star Wars pajamas, reading comic books and fantasy novels, and most of all, she liked being a gamer. The fact that Rowan seemed fine with it made her heart flutter in a way she hadn't felt since Nicholas Green had given her a Valentine's Day card in fourth grade. Charlie held Rowan's hand during the walk over to the fisherman's corner. As it came into view, she remembered an important question she had been meaning to ask him. Oh, I just remembered I've been meaning to ask you about something. Oh? Yeah, it's about something Roxy said at my apartment. I meant to bring it up yesterday at the park, but I got so caught up in all your magic that all my other questions seemed to vanish. Oh boy. When Roxy was looking around my apartment for clues on where to find you, she made fun of me for being mortal. What did she mean by that? Charlie stepped back in surprise when Rowan quite suddenly hid behind a mailbox anchored into the street. Charlie thought he was just trying to be funny again, trying to avoid answering her question. It would have been cute if she wasn't trying to be serious. Rowan, seriously! Rowan grabbed her by the hand and pulled her in next to him. Shh, look, on the other side of the street. Stop trying to avoid my question. Please, not so loud or else she'll notice us. Huh? His expression of alarm had finally gotten through to her. Looking across the street to where Rowan was staring, Charlie's heart jumped into her throat. It was Roxy. She wore her leather jacket looking as badass as ever and was standing by the side of the restaurant leaning against the building. She spoke into a cell phone, occasionally glancing over her shoulder as if expecting someone. Were they who she was waiting for? How could she have known where they were going that night? Her magical tracking ability was serious business. It's a good thing Rowan had caught sight of her on time or else who knew what would have happened had they crossed the street. Their night suddenly was going to become a lot more interesting, in the worst way possible. What is she doing here? Now, unless she's placing an order for fish and chips, I'd say someone gave her a heads up about our plans tonight. There is no other reason she'd be using a cell phone. It's got to be them. They must be monitoring your internet activity. What are you talking about? Who's monitoring me? For God's sakes, just tell me already. No time. I think she spotted us. Sure enough, when Charlie looked over... Roxy had her sights locked in and had already started walking across the street toward them. Her expression was fierce, like a hunter eyeing her prey, leaving no room for escape. Charlie knelt behind the mailbox frozen with fear, her knees glued to the ground. Rowan stepped forward with outstretched, welcoming arms where Roxy reached the middle of the street, and she paused. Roxy, what a fine evening to run into an old friend. How long has it been? Oh, but it feels like several lifetimes have come and gone since you've graced me with your presence. What a shame. Enough with the theatrics, Rowan. I'm done playing games. How about you make this easy on the both of us and come willingly? My employer has promised leniency if you do. I'm sure you'd love that. But you see, tonight's just not a good night. If you haven't noticed, I have a previous engagement. Don't tell me you're still leading that nerd around on a leash. 
Come on, Rowan. How your standards have slipped. It sounds like someone's a little jealous. Rowan's words were like a slap across Roxy's face, and her scowl deepened beyond what Charlie believed was possible. With one quick motion, she reached for something hidden inside her leather jacket, but Rowan had already gotten the jump on her. He had anticipated her move, and stretched a hand toward her while shouting an incomprehensible word. Charlie's eyes were momentarily blinded as a blue flash struck Roxy where she stood. After Charlie's eyes recovered from the sudden flash of light, she discovered Roxy was frozen in time. She posed like an angry statue standing in the middle of the street. Rowan's spell caught her just as she was reaching for whatever it was that was inside of her coat. I imagine this would be a good time to run. Could not have put it better myself. Come on, the spell's not going to last long. Rowan grabbed Charlie's hand and led her down a series of back streets and alleyways putting as much distance between them and the psychotic bounty hunter as possible. The whole running for her life thing really brought to Charlie's attention how out of shape she was. A stitch was beginning to grow on her side, and she tried without success to regulate her breathing. She was really going to have to cut back on how many bags of chips she eats a week, but not bacon. Never bacon. Finally, Rowan slowed down and gave her a moment's reprieve. She bent in half, placing her hands on her knees, breathing heavily. I think this might be a good place to hide out for a while. Hide where she least expects it. That's what I like to say. As the burning sensation in Charlie's lungs began to subside, she followed Rowan's gaze. He was looking at a red brick building with red neon lights in the shape of a provocative dancing woman. Above it hung the name of the shady-looking nightclub. Reds. A lineup of people gathered outside of Red's nightclub, all waiting their turn to reach the door bouncer and be given entry. Charlie wondered why Rowan would pick this place. Her anxiety was skyrocketing. It was terrifying being chased by a crazed bounty hunter, and she had never gone to a bar or nightclub in her life. And that was fine. The idea of so many people bumping shoulders in dimly lit confined spaces and the revelries of drunken fools gave her more than enough reason to keep her distance. Despite the necessity of getting away, the thought of venturing one now made her want to throw up. Rowan reassuringly held her hand the entire time they crossed the street and approached the bouncer. Charlie wondered why they weren't heading to the back of the line. It was quite long. She worried the people waiting might get upset but Rowan ignored the crowd and focused on the entrance. The amazing thing was, he didn't even have to say anything. As soon as he approached the bouncer, a large bald man wearing a black leather coat and dark sunglasses appeared to recognize Rowan and simply nodded and jabbed a thumb over his shoulder, motioning for them to go inside. Charlie couldn't help but notice a few questionably dressed women making a fuss over their skipping ahead of the line. Each of them had a different shade of lipstick. Great, she thought. Now I might have to worry about having them on my back too. In the lobby just before entering the main room, Rowan pulled Charlie aside to talk. He spoke loud enough to be heard over the beat of the music coming from within. Okay, there's something I gotta tell you before we go in there. Should I avoid eating peanuts at the bar? That too, but this is about what you asked before we were interrupted by Roxy. 
You mean my question about mortals? I didn't want to bring you into any of this because most people don't cope well knowing the truth. But there are people in this world who aren't exactly... normal. What do you mean? I don't understand. You'll see what I mean. Come on. Red probably already knows I'm here. Things just kept getting more and more confusing, Charlie thought. Rowan's vague explanations were getting old quick and were starting to get under her skin. She was tired of being given a bone just to find out she was only allowed to sniff it. But there was something about what Rowan said that made her feel uneasy. It was a thing about people not coping well knowing the truth. What did he mean by that? What was considered not normal for someone like him? Charlie really hoped she was prepared for whatever it was that she was about to face. Her simple, boring existence was beginning to spiral out of control fast. The dance music increased in volume as they left the lobby and entered the main room of the nightclub. It looked exactly what she imagined the inside of one would look like. Both men and women dressed in varied degrees of clothing walked to and fro holding liquor and beer in their hands. Many of them danced and grinded against each other on the dance floor. She wondered why anyone would want to suffocate themselves within the center of a drunken crowd and how any one of them could find it fun dancing in a space so small they couldn't properly move their elbows without knocking someone over. But they did, and they apparently loved every second of it. People bumped and pushed past them as they milled about the nightclub. Rowan continued to hold Charlie's hand, never letting go, and guided her to a dimly lit bar on the other side of the room, with red neon lights glowing from behind the counter. They approached a well-groomed bartender. His dark hair was slicked back, and he wore a red dress shirt loosened near the top to reveal chest hair. His eyes were hidden behind a pair of sunglasses. He noticed them walk up, and extended his greetings with open arms. Rowan! My man, what brings you to this side of paradise? Oh, who's this pretty little flower you've brought with you? The bartender paused and looked Charlie up and down, making her feel dirty and like spiders were crawling all over her. He grinned devilishly. Oh my, a virgin. Rowan, you're too good to me. What, is it my birthday already? Charlie was taken aback embarrassed. Thankfully, the red neon masked how hard she must have been blushing. Hands off, Red. She's with me. Charlie, this is Red. He owns the place. Red grinned at her seductively and made Charlie feel dirty all over again. Right off the bat, she knew she wouldn't like this guy. The words hustler and slimeball were written all over him. No wonder he ran a nightclub full of partly dressed women. But then... Charlie noticed something strange about him. From behind his sunglasses came a sudden subtle flash of red that she never would have noticed had she not been staring directly at him. What just happened to your eyes? Red grinned again and removed his sunglasses. Charlie gasped in shock as he revealed to her two bright red irises. The more she reacted toward the color of his eyes, the more they appeared to glow with delight. What's wrong, honey? Haven't you ever met a demon before? Charlie stared at Red in disbelief. Rowan had warned she would learn that some people weren't normal, but she hadn't expected anything this extreme. She looked to Rowan for answers, but all he offered in response 
was a weak smile that translated to her in her mind as, This is why I didn't want to tell you. A real demon? Straight from the land of fire and brimstone, baby. But between you and me, this place gets way hotter. How is that possible? In the beginning, God created blah, blah, blah. And please tell me you know the rest of the story or else I'll have to do something you humans consider politically incorrect. Unless you're one of those scientifical types who believe the cosmos farted itself into existence. I love that story. Face it, I'm a demon, baby. I've got hell on my bones and heaven on my back trying to cramp my style. Those self-righteous louts are always trying to get this place busted for underage drinking. But enough with the small talk. Now that I know you haven't brought me this virgin to play with, Rowan, you can't be dropping by just to say hello. You owe me a favor. We need a place to stay until we've lost track of a bounty hunter giving us trouble. Give me your word that you'll keep us hidden until the coast is clear. Sure, sure. My word is my bond and all that jazz. I'm serious, Red. Or else I'll finish what I should have done long ago. Rowan placed a hand on the bar. A subtle blue glow radiated from beneath his palm. Red's brow creased as he stared back in defiance, a low growl escaping his throat. Several bouncers took notice of Rowan's glowing hand, stepping toward him. Rowan and Red looked ready to come to blows, and for a long moment, neither of them looked ready to back down, until thankfully, Red cracked a smile and diffused the situation. Charlie sighed with relief. As exciting as it would be to watch a wizard and a demon square off in epic battle, she would rather it happen on screen than right in front of her. All right, all right already. Back down, boys. There's not going to be any trouble here tonight. You know, if you weren't so good looking, I might have needed to smack you around a little. But how could I hurt a face like that? You have my word. If a bounty hunter comes around looking for you, I'll make sure my boys send them packing. How's that sound, lover boy? No funny business. Who? Me? I never. But know this. After tonight, the slate's wiped clean. If we ever meet again under similar circumstances, I can't guarantee a warm reception. You feel me? I expect as much. Rowan turned to Charlie and spoke to her ear. I'm sorry to ask this of you, but I want to make sure Red's going to hold up to his end of the bargain. Can you wait here while I cast a spell of shielding at the entrance? Red may have given us his word, but I doubt if push comes to shove that he'll make an effort to protect us. Uh, sure. I can wait. Thanks. I'll do my best to be quick about it. Before Charlie had the chance to say anything else, something amazing and unexpected happened. Just as Rowan was about to turn and leave, he stopped, looked at her one more time, and leaned in gently grasped both of her shoulders and kissed her lips. It was a moment unlike anything she had ever felt. Where most people experience fireworks in their hearts or the sensation of floating on a cloud, Charlie experienced an epic combination of the thrill of ranking first place on an online gaming leaderboard and the calmness of sitting on her parents' veranda while reading as it rained. Her first kiss was a collective, positive embodiment of every good feeling she had ever felt, and she wanted it to last forever. Unfortunately, Rowan pulled away after five seconds of blissful eternity 
and the smell of cigarettes, booze, and sweat rushed back to seize control of her senses. Rowan looked at Charlie and smiled, gently held her hand in his own, then left to prepare his spell in order to cloak their presence from Roxy. Charlie watched him be swallowed by the booming crowd and felt a small ache in her heart, sad to see him walk away. Red interrupted her thoughts with a laugh and brought her back to the present. He picked up a glass mug and began cleaning it. If you think that kiss knocked you off your feet, you should consider one night with me if you want to experience real magic. No thanks. Suit yourself, but there ain't no other bed like the one you share with Red. Can I ask you something? If you're a demon, then why are you here out of all places running a nightclub? If hell's real, why aren't you there torturing and tormenting the damned? Baby, take a look around. After spending millennia listening to people burn in a lake of fire, would you rather keep listening to that or go to where the real action is? I mean, come on! Cries and suffering and agony are sweet, but the crazy shit that happens in this fine establishment is hard to beat. So what do you say? You're an honored guest in my castle. Why not have a drink? How about a Bloody Mary, eh? I'll even make it a virgin for the pretty virgin. Sorry, I think I'll pass. I'm not much of a drinker. Baby, please. I insist. It's on the house. Red slid a glass of alcohol her way, grinning and waiting expectantly for her to accept. Charlie didn't know what to do. She didn't want to drink whatever liquor he had given her, but he just kept staring and grinning at her without any indication that he was going to give up unless she drank it. It made her feel uncomfortable. She hated herself for bending to the pressure, unable to stand her ground against the will of a nightclub-owning demon. She took the glass into her hand. It was red and thick, with a celery stick and a straw sticking out of it. Red nodded and grinned like a chef awaiting compliments. She brought the cool glass to her mouth and drank. It was spicy. See? That wasn't so bad, was it? Actually, Charlie thought, it wasn't as bad as she was expecting. It wasn't a drink she would ever have again, but she liked the flavor of the tomato juice and that certain something else that she couldn't put her finger on. Suddenly, Charlie began to feel lightheaded and her vision started to blur. She put her glass of liquor on the bar and raised a hand to hold her head. What was happening? It felt like everything was starting to feel like they were much farther away. Was it something from her drink? What did you put in my drink? Rowan! Where's Rowan? Shh, 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 shh. You don't want some tree-loving excuse for a man to be the one to take that pretty little flower away, do you? Don't worry. Red's got what you need. Red looked to the three women standing close by and snapped his fingers. Girls, take this delicate rose up to the VIP lounge. She's in for some special treatment tonight. Now hurry up before that jokester comes back looking for her. Charlie had just enough sense to lift her head to get a better look at the women abducting her. She recognized them as the women from outside who were making a fuss about her and Rowan skipping ahead of the line. As they reached for her arms, Charlie cursed, trying to fight them off. But she was too disoriented. Her body betrayed her and she collapsed into their arms. She couldn't understand why anyone wasn't helping her. Couldn't they see that she was in trouble? And why hadn't Rowan come to her rescue? 
Right before the lull of unconsciousness took her, she looked into the eyes of her captors. Their irises were glowing red. When Charlie woke, she had a headache and her mouth was dry. She opened her eyes and discovered herself lying on a red leather couch. Things were starting to come together now. Around the room, the couches were lined into a U-shaped design facing a couple of tables topped with liquor and cigars. A private bar stood near the back by the exit door. The entire opposite wall across the room was a huge viewing window from floor to ceiling that showcased the party going on downstairs within the rest of the nightclub. As the effects of the Bloody Mary began to wear off, Charlie attempted to stand and leave, but was interrupted by three partly dressed women who stepped out from the shadows. Each wore a different shade of lipstick, blue, purple, and black. Their eyes glowed red. Uh-uh. Where do you think you're going? What do you want with me? Red's not going to like you bailing on him like that. If you know what's good for you, I'd suggest you have a seat and wait right there. You know, sisters, Red could be a while dealing with the pretty boy downstairs. While he's busy taking care of him, why don't we warm up this little flower for him, hmm? I like when you're going with this. We can take off that pretty little dress of hers and teach her how impolite it is to cut in line. <laughs> oh, just look at how scared she is. I love it when they're afraid. <laughs> Don't worry, sweet thing. It won't hurt. Much. Red can join in when he's ready. Charlie sank deep into the couch. She was terrified. The last thing she wanted was for her body and mind to be ravaged by a gang of insidiously lustful demons. She wanted to scream at the horror of what was going to take place, but panic constricted her body and she couldn't get herself to move. She felt like a deer caught in the headlights. Why did Rowan have to bring her here of all places? Whatever Roxy had in mind, she was positive it wouldn't have robbed her innocence and peace of mind. The women cackled in delight at Charlie's obvious torment. Until suddenly, the door at the back of the room burst open in a flash of blue light. Two bouncers were violently thrown into the room by the force of the blast and crashed hard into the bar, upending chairs and breaking several glasses and bottles of liquor. All three women shot around to stare at the destruction being brought into the room. Then, to Charlie's great relief, Rowan came dashing through the blown open doorway. Rowan! Don't worry, Charlie. I'm getting you out of here. I will not let them hurt you. All three women turned on Rowan and screamed at him. Their cries were piercing and shrill, hurting Charlie's ears. Their demonic faces stretched and contorted to suit their more terrible nature. Rowan's hands pulsed with blue energy. Trust me, ladies. I would love the excuse to send you all straight back to hell. Unless you want to end up like Red and his goons, I suggest you clear off. 
The demon with the black lipstick unleashed a hideous scream, her face contorting more than Charlie thought possible, her eyes flaring such an intense red it was difficult to say if tiny flames were actually licking her eyelashes. Then, with blinding speed, she leapt ahead of her sisters and led the attack. Dread claws extended from where her soft pink fingers had once been, and she swiped in wide arcs trying to slash Rowan's throat. Rowan jumped back and dodged her strikes, and countered with an attack of his own. Just like he did to Roxy earlier that night, he stretched out his hand and shouted an incomprehensible word. An orb of blue light shot towards the demon, striking and incinerating her. The demon wailed in agony with her dying breath. Charlie's fears intensified. She had never witnessed anything like that. It was an impossible battle that took place before her. Beings of which she had always believed were purely mythical were now locked in magical warfare with her being the prize. She attempted once again to flee the red leather couch, but the demon with the blue lipstick grabbed her shoulder and tightened her grip, shooting a horrible scowl that warned her not to make another move. With Blue's nails digging into her skin, Charlie complied. After witnessing her sister reduced to ash, the demon with purple lipstick howled in fury and jumped at Rowan, determined to avenge her sister's destruction. Rowan shot another blue orb of energy at the demon, hoping for the same effect. But she predicted his move and dodged it. The ball of blue energy now flew through the large window which burst into an explosion of glass shards that rained down on the dance floor below. Chaos soon erupted, screams and shouts resounding over the roar of music. The unexpected twist caused Rowan to hesitate. The guilt about the pain he had wrought upon the innocent clear on his face and it offered the demon a chance to strike. In a series of motions faster than Charlie could track, the demon leapt toward him, slashing and opening a gash on his chest. Rowan jumped back surprised, a pained expression on his face. Rowan! Charlie wanted to run to him, to help him, and run away together. But the vicious grip of Blue's hands tightened its hold on her and forced her to remain sitting. Once I'm finished feasting on your bones, I'll be sure to take real good care of your little virgin. Charlie was getting real sick of being reminded of her virginity. Feigning a dodge to the right, Rowan charged at the demon. She brandished sharp claws, preparing to shred him to pieces. But then, instead of rolling to either side or sliding beneath her like she was expecting him to, he instead locked hands with hers cutting his fingers in the process and transferred blue energy from his palms into hers. Purple shrieked and writhed in pain as Rowan's magic coursed through her veins until finally she burst into flames and disintegrated into ash. Hope sparked inside Charlie. Rowan had destroyed two demons and was down to the last one. But then, unexpectedly, as Rowan approached Blue to finish the job, she pulled Charlie from the couch, stood behind her, and wrapped a dagger-like claw around her throat. Charlie yelped. She was on the brink of panic, her heart hammering in her chest. Taking it a step, and I cut her throat. Let her go. Things can still end well for you if you leave now. And to Harry destroy my sisters like that? I think not. I'll see you supper before the night is over. Charlie quivered with fear. Blue brought her lips closely to her ear, blowing softly on her earlobe. 
she suddenly began feeling lightheaded again, the red-tinted room fading in and out all around her. The last thing she remembered before passing out was the sound of the demon's maniacal laughter, Rowan calling her name in the sudden flash of blue light. The next morning, when Charlie woke and slowly opened her eyes, she discovered she was home and lying in her bed, neatly tucked beneath her blankets. She looked at her R2-D2 alarm clock to check the time. It was only 9.25am, and she thought about rolling over and going back to sleep for another few hours before her first day back to work. Fixing her blankets to get more comfortable, she noticed she was sleeping in her dress. Suddenly. The events of the night before all came flashing back to her. Her second date with Rowan. Their run-in with Roxy. The demons at Red's nightclub. Charlie quickly sat straight up in bed and looked around the room for any signs of danger. There was none. She was totally and completely alone within the safety of her apartment. There were no demons, no bounty hunter, nothing life-threatening. Even Rowan was nowhere to be found. Looking past her alarm clock, she noticed a note sitting next to a vibrant sunflower petal on her nightstand. She leaned over to pick it up, a pain shooting through her neck causing her to wince. It read, Dear Charlie, uh, How can I fully express on a piece of paper just how terrible I feel about last night? I should never have believed I could trust the demon to keep us safe and hidden. Uh, Apparently, even magical people still have lessons to learn. I, I carried you back if you're wondering how you got home, and I don't think we'll have to worry about the likes of Red for a long time. I'm really sorry about getting you involved in all of this. I care about you, Charlie Cradle. I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. Sincerely, Rowan. Charlie placed Rowan's letter next to her in bed and picked up the sunflower petal from her nightstand. The yellow color was so bright and vibrant, it felt warm to the touch. She sat in bed, staring at the flower petal, slowly flipping it from side to side while examining her feelings. Things had gotten pretty complicated. Over the course of a week, Charlie's life and the way she viewed the world around her had changed forever. When she woke up seven days ago, she was still the quiet, shy introvert she had been all her life. Today, she woke up with the knowledge that wizards, demons, and who knew what else existed and used the world as their playground. Charlie's life had become drastically less mundane than it used to be, and she wasn't sure if that was a good thing anymore. Last night was the most terrifying experience of her life. Charlie returned the sunflower petal to her nightstand. She felt physically, emotionally, and mentally drained. All she wanted at that moment was to lie down in bed and fall back asleep, but she knew her wandering mind would never allow her that pleasure. Choosing not to fight the inevitable, she got out of bed and took a long shower in the hopes that it would help cleanse the memory of filthy demon hands from her, and then sat in front of her computer to play a game to clear her mind. Charlie couldn't get past the login screen, she stared at the blinking cursor that waited for her to put in her username and password. 
and she couldn't convince her fingers to bring themselves to the keyboard. All she could think about was Rowan. I care about you, Charlie Cradle. Those words repeated over and over again in her mind. She realized she also cared about him too. How could she not? He chased after her when she pushed him away, accepted her quirks and made her feel wanted, dazzled her with heart-touching magic, and even fought supernatural beings to save her life. He was the embodiment of everything she ever thought she wanted in a man. So why was it that she felt like it needed to end? She grew up on stories of the fantastical and strange, the weird, wonderful, and often impossible. She dreamed of being whisked away into an existence where dragons were slain by courageous knights, where brave heroes saved people in need, and where magic was a central and important part of modern society. She used to crave that existence, but after living it for a few days, she wondered if it were better left off to video games, movies, and books. She hated to do this, but she felt like it was best to break it off with Rowan. Later that day, at exactly 12.19pm, Charlie stopped by the cafe shop while on her way to her 1 o'clock shift. Her familiar routine of grabbing a coffee before going to work was somehow comforting, and despite her hatred for pickles, she was actually looking forward to doing something mind-numbingly frustrating and boring for a change. She walked in, deeply inhaling the scent of fresh coffee, appreciating that ordinary moment. Lisette greeted her as she approached the counter. Hi, Charlie. It's been so strange not seeing you on your route to work the last few days. Are you still seeing the guy from the other night? What a catch. Actually, I don't know if it's going to work out between us. Really? Aw, well that's too bad. He seemed like a really nice guy. He's amazing. It'll all be okay, Charlie. I know it's hard now, but take my word for it. It gets better. If a hunk like him saw something in you, well, that means you gotta be pretty special. I'm sure you'll meet somebody else. Yeah, thanks for that. After paying for her drink and saying farewell to Lisette, the rest of her walk to work was just as it had always been. The smell of the bakers and the flower shop tickled her nose. Her hot drink warmed her hands against the increasingly chilled autumn breeze, and the familiar cramming of people in the elevator while choking on the scent of the same man's cologne brought a strange sense of comfort. As always, she walked onto her department floor and into her little cubicle without anything out of the ordinary happening. Well... Almost. Charlie, it's good to see you. Before you get started, there's someone I want you to meet. She'll be your new supervisor on this unit. When Charlie turned to face her new boss, her entire uninteresting world came screeching to a halt. Standing before her, dressed in a very expensive-looking business suit, was the last person she ever wanted to see again. Roxy. Charlie stared into Roxy's grinning face and wondered how this could be happening. Mr. Director tapped his foot in annoyance of her stunned expression. Well, aren't you going to invite her into the fold? 
She's got a very impressive resume. I believe she's the perfect candidate to help our research move along nicely. It's a pleasure meeting you, Charlie. I'm looking forward to working with you. Charlie couldn't bring herself to words. Her anger and frustration at this woman's nerves and persistence was reaching its limits. A simple nod was all she could manage. Fantastic! Now, I'll just leave you two to get to know each other a little better, and I'll go have a drink. Uh, of coffee! Co coffee! Oui, oui. Once Mr. Director walked out of earshot, she whirled on Roxy and demanded an explanation. What are you doing here? Look, I've got a job to do, sweetie. And when push comes to shove, I shove back hard. So unless you want to have the work shift from hell, I suggest you give me what I want. Charlie sighed, wondering if she'd ever catch a break. Even though she intended to end things with Rowan to get her normal life back, she wasn't going to hand them over to Roxy. She still liked Rowan, a lot, as a matter of fact. She had a feeling things were about to get messy. I'm ending things with Rowan. I don't want anything more to do with this craziness. So please, just leave me alone and leave my job out of this. You don't expect me to believe that, do you? Fine. If you want to do this the hard way, let's play. Because as I recall, I still owe you for last night. Roxy turned on her heels and walked away into a newly constructed office with her name on it. Charlie began mentally preparing herself for whatever trouble she was going to have thrown at her and sat in her chair to begin making calls. An hour passed and Charlie was relieved that so far there hadn't been any incidents. She knew it wouldn't last forever. It was still seven hours until the end of her shift after all. Charlie dialed out a new phone number to collect a survey. Hello? Would I be speaking with Mr. McDonald? Who is this? How are you doing today, Mr. McDonald? Doing well, I hope. My name is Charlie. No, there's no Charlie here. You must have the wrong number. Mr. McDonald, no, my name is Charlie. Yeah, and I've been trying to tell you that Charlie McDonald died ten years ago. How real sick he did. But I say it was his wife. Her soup tasted so awful, I just know she was putting toilet cleaner in it. Charlie rolled her eyes and rubbed her forehead in frustration. These calls were a challenge. A fly buzzed around her head. She swatted it away. That's terrible, sir. But if I could just get a moment of your time... Gertie was a heifer! A gold-digging double-crosser, if you ask me! Three flies buzzed around Charlie's head. Irritated, she swatted them away. Well, she probably was. Charlie instantly cringed and cursed her choice of words. She wasn't supposed to encourage people into deeper conversations. But those damn flies just wouldn't leave her alone. There were like seven of them now and all buzzing around her ears and nostrils. Well, I'm glad someone agrees with me. I've always told Charlie that Gertie was trouble. But did he ever listen to me? Now he's six feet under and not listening to anything at all. Fifteen houseflies as big as the tip of her index finger were madly buzzing around her face. Charlie used both hands to beat them away from her head now, but no matter how much she wildly flung her arms around, she never seemed to hit one. Four flew in and out of her exposed ear. Two had managed to dart into her mouth. One assaulted her nostril, and two others were mating on the bridge of her nose. 
She wondered where all the flies were coming from, and why they were only attacking her. Charlie tried to find the mute button for her headset, but the sensation of her face being raided by over a dozen giant flies was just so gross and horrendous that she couldn't help but burst a curse out loud. Oh, damn it! Suddenly, as if that was their cue to leave, each of the flies circled Charlie's head once more, then flew down the hallway and out of sight. Well, all except for the one that shot into her mouth, which uh, she accidentally bit down on. She was still kind of gagging from that one. However, as the flies buzzed away and Charlie had calmed down, she noticed that all eyes were on her and how everyone was deathly silent. She realized she had failed to hit mute on her headset and that Mr. McDonald was still on the line. I, I, I understand how you feel about what Gertie did to my brother, but there is no need to get vulgar with me about it. I'm a proud Catholic. I'm so sorry, Mr. McDonald. I hope you have a good day. Charlie ended the call. She wanted to shrink and hide in what little dark corners her cubicle had to offer. She felt embarrassed and awful about cursing while on the phone with someone. It wasn't uncommon for that to happen at a job like this, but it also wasn't uncommon for those people to be fired soon afterward. She wanted to bang her head against the desk. She was so angry with herself. She couldn't afford to lose her job. If that happened, she had no idea how she was going to afford to pay her rent. Suddenly, she felt an itch on the back of her head, and she looked over her shoulder toward the newly constructed office. Roxy was standing inside, looking through the glass door, grinning wickedly. Charlie shot her an angry scowl and held back a few select words she was tempted to shoot at her. Roxy somehow sent those flies after her. It was all her doing. But none of that mattered now. Coming down the hallway wearing an angry expression was her boss. Charlie, mon office, now. Mr. Director sat behind his large wooden desk, writing on a black clipboard with a metal pen in his right hand. Charlie couldn't see the contents of what he was writing, but unless he was making a grocery liquor list, considering the poorly concealed bottle he kept on his desk disguised as the company's logo's smiling pickle, he was definitely writing her termination slip. Charlie felt like crying. Why did things have to turn out this way? She was through with magical beings and bounty hunters. All she wanted was her normal life back, and that included her much-hated job. I'm disappointed in you, Charlie Cradle. I'm really sorry, Mr. Director, but I swear it wasn't my fault. There was this horde of flies. No excuses, Charlie. Here at the Pickle Jar Incorporate, we expect our employees to act with the highest degree of professionalism, even when plunged into a pool of sharks. There was definitely one shark in there today, thought Charlie. Miserably, she wanted to yank the concealed liquor bottle off his desk and smash it over his hypocritical head, but there was no sense in making things worse. Even though she was getting fired, she still hoped to salvage the company as a positive reference for her resume. She needed a new hair-pulling job after all. I understand. I'm just glad Roxy called my office and immediately notified me of your behavior. You should be thankful those breasts, I mean, uh, thankful that woman was there to report any lack of integrity. You wouldn't want to sully the company name, would you? Yeah, thought Charlie, 
real thankful. Because, Charlie, your actions there, they merit termination. Here comes, she thought. She better go find some small cardboard box to put her belongings in. However, although I should fire you, you're one of our most valuable employees. You've been with us for longer than the average, and your dedication to the pickle industry yields results. I can't deny that. You secure real quantifiable answers that will help this company take the pickle industry by storm. So, taking these facts into consideration, I'll sweep this incident under the rug. Just this once. The relief that washed over Charlie made her lower body feel weak enough that she peed a little. Despite the putrid stench of liquor flowing from his lips with each word he spoke, she could have jumped over Mr. Director's desk and kissed him. It was a terrible job, but this is too good to be true. However, Charlie's world decelerated into slow motion again. It would be bad business not to reprimand you in some way. Others around the office will start thinking we're trading sexual favors. We definitely can't have that. I have standards, you know. So unfortunately, Charlie, I'm going to have to suspend you from the office this week. Once the whole commotion settles down, you can come back to work and keep plowing for a better pickle for a better tomorrow. Yep, thought Charlie. Too good to be true. But on the bright side, at least she hadn't completely lost her job. Putting on her most enthusiastic fake smile, she thanked Mr. Director profusely, logged out of her computer, and got ready to leave for yet another week. Arriving at her workspace, she discovered Roxy standing by her cubicle, a triumphant evil smirk on her lips. Charlie wished she could find that fly she chewed on and stuff it in her smug face. That was quite the outburst. So inappropriate while on the phone with a client. I just hated to do so, but as your new supervisor, it was only right to follow my obligations and report that potty mouth of yours. Well, I hope you're happy. I'm suspended for a week. No, that's too bad. I was really aiming for you to be thrown out on the curb. Let this be a warning to you. If you don't bring me to Rowan, next time I'll have you fired for good. Roxy pulled a card from her pocket and placed it inside Charlie's coat hanging from her chair. That's my cell number. When you finally decide to come to your senses and wish to avoid any more trouble, then you know how to get a hold of me. You want to do this, Charlie Cradle. It'll only get worse from here. Charlie narrowed her eyes, fuming with anger. The very nerve of that woman. She was so sick of her by now that if she still weren't at work, she would have punched her straight in the face, even though she knew she'd probably get mangled afterward. But the satisfaction of smudging Roxy's perfect makeup with her fist would have been worth every cut and bruise. The walk home from work was a long, wet, and miserable reflection of how she felt inside. Even the sky wanted to add insult to injury and piss on her already bad day. She had one more week without work. That meant the half paycheck she was expecting to receive next week was going to show up bearing a big, fat zero. How was she going to pay for her rent? Unlike the people in movies who somehow managed to escape their landlord's wrath for what appeared like weeks, Charlie knew real life wasn't like that. It was either pay your rent or get out. It killed her to do this. 
but Charlie could think of no other solution of how she could manage it. Knowing that what she was about to do wasn't going to come without a cost, once Charlie arrived home, she picked up her phone and dialed a familiar number. Hello? Mom? I kind of need to ask you a favor. Charlie sat outside on the damp stone steps of her apartment building complex, carrying a small duffel bag with enough clothes to last her a week. She waited for her mother to pick her up with the old family car. She knew trying to convince her parents to lend her money for rent wasn't going to be the hard part. She never asked her parents for help, which she suspected made her mother kind of sad. She knew her mom would literally jump at the chance to come to her rescue. No, none of that took much convincing. The hard part would be the cost itself, staying at her parents' house for the week. If evil demons and a fanatic bounty hunter hadn't caused her to collapse on the brink of insanity, she feared what her mother's suffocating and needy personality might do to her. While thinking about all that's happened lately, Charlie's thoughts started to wander to her purse, or more specifically, the card that had been placed inside her coat pocket. Just the thought of it felt like it was weighing her down. She needed to get rid of that card. As much as she wanted to make all the madness stop, she didn't know if she'd be able to live with herself if she was the cause of Rowan's capture. She reached her hand into her pocket, but was interrupted by a loud noise from down the street. She removed her hand and forgot about the card. Right on cue, her mother rounded the street corner and honked the horn in her own special way of saying hello. Charlie sent a silent prayer to Asgard. I'm here. Are you all packed, ready to go? Charlie nodded and placed everything into the back seat of her parents' car. She sat up front next to her mother. Charlene, I am so glad you called. Your father and I are always here to help whenever you need it. This will be a good reason for us to finally get some family time. Please, Mom, stop calling me Charlene. I like Charlie. <sighs> there you go again with that boy's name. When will you accept that your father and I raised a little girl? You looked so adorable in your Sunday dress with your hair all done up. Hey, that gives me an idea. Why don't we take a trip to the mall and get our nails done tomorrow? Mom, I really appreciate you and Dad doing this for me. But you know I hate that kind of thing. I'm not that type of person. Her mother knit her eyebrows and nodded sadly. Charlie hated that look. But not because she believed her mother was trying to guilt her into giving in. That was a look of genuine sadness and defeat. It killed Charlie to see her mother so hurt. Even though she hated being her mother's little princess, she could understand why her mother was the way she was. That's the way she grew up, and it was the only way she knew how to express her love for her. I'll tell you what, I'd still rather not go to some big fancy salon, but if it means that much to you, how about we do girls' night together at home instead? Charlie's mother drove a little faster. It's a deal. Taking a deep breath, Knowing she would be subjected to much unwanted motherly madness, Charlie prepared herself for the long week ahead of her. Two days had passed since Charlie had come to stay at her parents' house. During this time, she had endured the collective sum total of all the love and affection her mother was unable to smother her with 
since the day she had decided to move out on her own. For her mother, it was two days of unrestricted joy and ultimate bonding with her daughter. While to Charlie, it was like experiencing how a cat must feel when being dressed up in ridiculous costumes. She had sampled more perfumes, tried on different clothes, and listened to more Alan Jackson songs in the last 48 hours than she had in her entire life. Charlie didn't remember her mother being this intense. She wondered if it was because she didn't get to see her enough. She made a mental note to visit at least once in a while to avoid her mother getting this crazy again. Rent money, rent money, rent money. Charlie just kept on reminding herself. It was now day three of seven of her visit and her whole family was gathered around the table for five o'clock supper. Her mother mentioned more than once how nice it was to have the entire family back together and sharing a rolling of eyes with Charlie, her father nodded his head in agreement. Obviously, Charlie's father had learned to tune out most of what his wife said. Then, right before her mother said grace, someone knocked at the door. Leanne stood and hurried to answer. Charlie continued eating her spaghetti. Hello. Can I help you with something? Ah, hello, Mrs. Cradle. I hope I haven't stopped by at a bad time. I was hoping to find Charlie here. At the sound of Rowan's voice, Charlie immediately leapt from her seat and rushed to the door, surprised to see him. Rowan, what are you doing here? He looked tired, but not in the way a person looks tired when they don't get enough sleep. In fact, Charlie might never have picked up on it if she hadn't seen that same look in the mirror. In the expression of his eyes, which usually were bright and full of pulsating blue color, she saw signs of the weariness of life. Those were the eyes she looked into the morning after she woke up from their unsuccessful second date. They were the eyes of a person who longed for escape. You know this man, Charlene. Charlie couldn't be sure, but was that surprise she heard in her mother's expression? Like she were amazed her daughter could secure the interest of such a good-looking dude? Mom, could you excuse us for a minute while we talk outside? I'll be in once we're finished. You mean you're not going to invite him in for supper? <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't raise you to be so impolite. Please come right in, Rowan. Have a seat. There's plenty more for an extra mouth. Rowan hesitated by the door, unsure of how to proceed. Leanne was insistent that he come inside, but Charlie's face had turned lobster red with embarrassment as she feared what might transpire between him and her parents. Her mother would often nag at her, wondering when she'd bring a man home, and seeing that familiar motherly lunacy in her eyes, Charlie predicted catastrophic embarrassment was in her very near future. Another reason why Charlie didn't want Rowan staying for supper was because of her complicated feelings for him. A few days ago, she had decided within herself that she wanted to break things off with him. But she never had the opportunity to talk to him about it. She hadn't dated anyone before. So being in a situation where she needed to end the relationship was awkward and frightening. How would Rowan react? Would he be offended that someone as good-looking as him was being dumped by an inferior specimen of a human being? She assumed he would only break up with her anyway. How could someone so out of her league maintain interest in her forever? The breakup was inevitable, 
She might as well save herself the pain and mental anguish and just sever the connection. She decided that after supper, when they could afford some privacy, she would tell him how she felt. Rowan could find a better, more exciting and attractive woman than she was. So, Rowan, tell us a little more about yourself. I know I'm really excited to hear about how you and Charlie met each other. You are a couple, right? Mom? Her father laughed. He didn't care about that stuff. As long as Charlie was happy doing her own thing, he considered himself a success as a parent. What? Can't a mother question the man who's interested in her daughter? I don't mind, Mrs. Cradle. I wouldn't think of hiding anything from you. To put things simply, I'm just a drifter. Been looking for the right kind of place to settle down. I was on my way out of town when I first met Charlie. And after talking to her, well... She kind of had me under a spell ever since. Rowan paused, and Charlie finally lifted her gaze from her spaghetti and met his eyes. She's one of a kind. And now that I've had the privilege of meeting her parents, I can see where she gets her good looks. Charlie's mother blushed and fanned her face with her hand, while her father laughed out loud with his mouth full of garlic bread and spaghetti. Charlie, on the other hand, felt that familiar kindling of fire in her heart the exact same way she felt when Rowan kissed her a few nights ago. It was strange, she thought. How she could feel like wanting to end the relationship one moment, and then passionately desiring to kiss him the next. Rowan looked at her with a smile, and with all her earlier emotions melting away, she did the same. Maybe she would wait until they talked things over before making any drastic decisions. The rest of supper went surprisingly well. Rowan was so charming, her mother basically swooned over him while her father had laughed almost the entire time. Charlie was thankful. She knew that if it were any other guy, he would have been just as awkward as she was and probably would have run away for good. Rowan must have had a lot of practice. No one could be that good. Sometime after supper, while Charlie's mother was doing the dishes and her father was leaving for the night shift, Charlie and Rowan went outside on the veranda where they could talk in peace. The sun had almost completely set and was painting the horizon with different shades of pink and orange. The autumn weather had warmed enough that night to allow rain. Sitting on the veranda and listening to the rain brought up memories of her childhood. This was her place of refuge from an increasingly scary world. As a child, she was afraid of it for different reasons, such as bullies and dentists. Actually, dentist still kind of scared her. But now as an adult, staring out into the darkening day of this hectic corporate world, she was afraid of everything. She was afraid of being alone, afraid of never finding personal success, and had recently become afraid of the unknown. She had learned that her father was wrong, that monsters weren't just a figment of her imagination, and that they liked nightclubs and motorcycles. But at least in this moment, Within the sanctuary of her veranda, she could stare out into the rain and feel okay for a little while. Charlie and Rowan sat on the swinging chair together, kicking their feet against the wooden floor, looking at all the various garden gnomes her parents had spread over the lawn. An uncomfortable silence stretched between them now that they had the opportunity to be alone. This was it, she decided. Whether or not it worked out between them, there was still something she'd been dying to know since the beginning. Rowan, I need to know the truth about you. 
Charlie. No, no more secrecy. No more saying it's complicated. Because trust me, Rowan, I know it's complicated. My entire simple, boring life has been turned upside down into something complicated. Since you've shown up, I've learned that wizards and demons are not just wild stories people came up with, but real living beings that run nightclubs and run away from magical bounty hunters. So please, Rowan, please stop trying to protect me. I'm stronger than you think I am. Rowan looked at her with sad, regretful eyes, then leaned back in the swinging chair and stared at the sky as the sun made its final dip beyond the horizon. He sighed heavily and ran his fingers through his hair. All right, you deserve to know the truth. This was it. Charlie sat up straighter and stared at him more intently now. She was hoping that soon everything would make sense and maybe their relationship could still be salvaged. I'm not actually a wizard. Wizards are human beings who develop magical abilities here on Earth. You say the word human like it's something foreign. Yes, because I'm not human. Neither was I born on Earth. I'm a fairy, Charlie. A fairy? The people who fly around with little butterfly wings? <laughs> no, 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 not exactly. The Fae, it's a realm. It just lies uh, just beyond Earth, where people who are born of magic come into existence. Like me. We're Fae people, who are otherwise known as fairies. And that's why my life here has become so complicated. It's not uncommon for fairies to visit the human realm, but the King of the Fae forbids his permanent residency here. He's a strict believer that the immortal races should not live among mortals. And he is the one who has Roxy after me. Like him, most of the Fae are self-righteous and believe themselves greater than the younger races. And that's the reason why after centuries of living among these people, I had to leave. I hoped that I could pretend to live my life as human. But, as you figured out, it hasn't exactly been easy. I never would have guessed. But there's something I don't understand. If your goal was to live a simple human life, then why tell people you're a wizard? Wouldn't it tip off those who are after you? You got it. I tried to go without using magic for a long time, but a fairy without magic is like a dog without its bark. It just doesn't feel right. I love magic. So when people find out about me, I just pretend to be a wizard. I understand. My parents' laptop sucks for gaming and solitaire just ain't cutting it. Why would you want to leave a realm of magic? It sounds amazing. I admit, I do love the fae, regardless of its people. It's a place unlike any you've ever seen. Beauty never fades with time. Tender moments, they last forever, and the creatures are majestic and free. But the Fae will never possess the one thing I admire so much in humans, and that's your value of life. This might be a stupid question, but wouldn't it be great never having to worry about death? Now that is a question which took me centuries of living among humans to find an answer to. We fairies, we can't grasp the concept of death since we can never die. But to mortals... It's an ever-present reality that one day they will perish and fade away. It's what makes you unique. It fills you with the desire to make every day of your existence one that matters. Life is precious to you, and so your passions have that much more meaning. Charlie stared into Rowan's eyes as the significance of his words tore deep into her heart. Here sat a magical, immortal person 
who admired humans for their value of life and the intensity of their passions. Sadly, she didn't feel like any of it applied to her. She had never lived an exciting, passionate life. She felt that everything Rowan described was everything she never was. When she woke up in the morning, it wasn't thrill-seeking or anything productive she first thought of. Instead, she thought of how much she hated her job, how to avoid as much social interaction as possible, and how much time she'd get to sit in front of her computer and hack away at pixelated monsters. All the while Rowan explained these things, Charlie thought of Mr. Morris's sandwich, and of how, in this moment, she actually envied him. Is something wrong? No, it's nothing. It's just been an overwhelming few days is all. I'm sorry if I've caused your life to become something you never wished there it to be. I never meant for you to get caught up in all of this. I just hoped I could have made things work this time. I'm learning that may never happen. I care about you, Charlie Cradle. Rowan placed a hand over Charlie's. She turned to face him, wanting to tell him that no one had ever made her feel the way that he did now. However, their special moment was suddenly interrupted by the sound of an approaching motorcycle. The engine roared like a beast on the prowl. They watched as it parked across the street. A woman wearing a black leather jacket raised her helmet's visor to look at them, and Charlie's heart dropped into her chest. Roxy grinned and waved them hello. Hi, Charlie. I'm so glad we were able to come to an understanding. Now come quietly, Rowan, unless you want to get these poor people involved as well. Charlie's heart thrummed in her chest. Her mind raced back to Roxy's card in her coat pocket. She had totally forgotten about her number. But she never called it. So why was Roxy standing at the edge of her driveway now? Charlie? What is she talking about? Charlie stepped to the edge of the veranda. What are you doing here? I never called you. Oh, then why does your parents' number show up on my cell? Charlie didn't understand. How had she received a call from her parents' number if she had never even taken the card out of her coat pocket? Then, the answer suddenly hit her. Mom. She took Rowan by the hands. I know this looks really bad, but you've got to believe me when I say I had nothing to do with this. Oh, come on, Charlie. You're so close to ending all of this. Don't make it harder on yourself now. That was enough. Her irritation for that woman was reaching its limits. Charlie built up the courage and did something she wanted to do since Roxy first barged into her apartment. As she and Rowan crossed the doorway, Charlie turned around and flipped Roxy the bird. Screw you. The look on Roxy's face would forever be worth the punishment to follow. It pleased Charlie to know that she was able to outrightly piss her off even if she knew she might soon regret it. As Charlie slammed the front door shut, her mother came out from the kitchen to investigate all the commotion and looked out the window to see who was there. What's going on? Oh, Charlene, has your friend arrived already? Wow, she's fast. I only just called her five minutes ago. You what? Mom, where did you get her number? Well, please don't be mad at me, but... I was trying to throw you a surprise. 
Since Rowan showed up, I I thought it would be nice to have a get-together with all your old friends and some of your new ones. So I, I did some digging around in your things. Well, the only thing I could find was a card from someone named Roxy. She seemed more than excited to come by. That woman is not my friend. She's a bad person, Mom. Worry and concern began to build within her mother's eyes. She didn't do well under stress, and the notion that Roxy was there to do them harm was starting to make her panic. But then, Rowan did something unexpected, and Charlie watched as he walked up to her mother and took her hands within his own. A blue glow pulsed from his hands, and just as she had witnessed before, he spoke an incomprehensible word, and the effects of a spell began to take place. Her mother's eyes closed, and she collapsed to the floor. He picked her up and placed her on the living room couch. What did you do to my mom? Uh, Don't worry, she's only under a sleep enchantment. She will sleep through the night without any memory of what happened. Oh, thank God. If she knew about wizards, I mean fairies and magic, she might actually admit herself into the psych ward. It's a good thing Dad's at work. With that taken care of, what should we do about Roxy? Now that is the million dollar question, isn't it? I hate to say it, but there's not much else we can do except run. Well, can't we fight her? What if you use your magic like last time, but make it stronger? Unfortunately, even that's only a temporary solution. I could kill Roxy even if I wanted to. The Fae can't be killed. To you, it would look like death, but then she'd be reborn the next day and continue coming after me. Best thing we can do is just to slow her down. Charlie could tell that Rowan was becoming weary of this never-ending game of hide-and-seek. She wondered just how long he had been running from her. 20 years? A hundred? Five hundred? She knew that if she were in his shoes, she probably would have given up a long time ago. It must be exhausting continually having to be on the run. An odd sound came from outside. It sounded like the pitter-patter of small feet on concrete. A lot of small feet. Unless it was hailing golf balls, it was too loud to be rain. Charlie looked through the window. She jumped back and screamed as a garden gnome crashed against the window, laughing at her. It stood on the outer windowsill, banging its small ceramic fists against the glass, trying to get inside. Soon there were more thumps and bangs around the house as more and more garden gnomes besieged her parents' home. What is going on? Where are they coming from? This is the first time I've been attacked by gnomes since leaving the Fae. She's crafty. You think Roxy did this? Take another look out on your lawn. Ignoring the small gnome who banged at her window, Charlie looked to see what Rowan was talking about. That's when she realized the gnomes trying to break into her house were the same garden gnomes her parents had spread all over their yard. Roxy had given them life and turned them into her own little army. Charlie shuddered. She hoped Rowan had a quick getaway spell. What are we going to do? I don't think we need to worry too much. They're garden gnomes. How much harm can they do? From somewhere at the back of the house came the sound of shattering glass. Okay, I take that back. No more underestimating their little ceramic fists. Charlie felt like she was in the middle of a horror scene. If anything frightened her more than demons, she realized, it was happy killer garden gnomes. Windows continued to shatter across the house followed by the sound of little running feet and mischievous laughter. Standing in the living room, 
Charlie grabbed the closest thing to a weapon that she could find, a fire poker. She dubbed it Destroyer of Gnomes. The first one entered the room. Rowan shot an orb of blue energy from his hand, disintegrating it into dust. That wasn't so bad, thought Charlie. She would soon regret that thought. Suddenly, over 30 garden gnomes stormed the gates, all laughing and ready to bruise some shins. Where are they all coming from? I didn't think my parents had this many. Charlie swung her fire poker, smashing one gnome after another. Rowan cast blue orbs, destroying the tiny hecklers. They were the warrior and mage. The gnomes didn't stand a chance. But still, they kept coming. They're relentless! Have you noticed that they're mainly interested in me? Charlie hadn't noticed, but now that Rowan said so, for the most part, it did look like they were focusing their attention on him. Were they hoping to overwhelm him with numbers? Panicked, she was working with a whack first, think later school of thought and hadn't taken the time to analyze the situation. She jumped out of the way of the never-ending stream of garden gnomes and stepped to the side of the room. Rowan was right. They weren't interested in her at all, but she knew she couldn't just stand in a corner and abandon him. She re-entered the fray and continued smashing faces. The problem was, there was just so many of them. They never quit coming. No matter how many they destroyed, Charlie knew she wouldn't be able to keep up with swinging her fire poker much longer before falling to exhaustion. With one look at Rowan, she knew he was feeling the same way. Something had to be done. Did Roxy set up a cloning machine outside? They're never ending! Why didn't I think of that? Charlie, you're a genius! She must be using a source gnome to continue multiplying until I'm captured. Think you can take care of the problem while I keep these little buggers off me? What if Roxy's out there? She'll eat me alive! Rowan looked at her, pleadingly. He was in trouble, and he needed her. Charlie took a deep breath and readied herself. She was afraid, but Rowan had saved her life once before. She couldn't let him down now. Leaving Rowan to fend off the much too happy garden gnomes from hell, Charlie hurried out the back door to find the source gnome. Thankfully, it wasn't hard to find. Roxy was standing next to it beside a tall tree, feeding it magic while it continued multiplying every three seconds. Charlie walked against a crowd of charging gnomes, gripping her fire poker tightly and holding it in striking position. At that moment, in some weird way, she really did feel like a warrior. She faced Roxy, looking braver than she actually felt. So the little hero has come out to play. Cute. Stop what you're doing and let Rowan go. <laughs> what are you going to do? You're a pathetic mortal with a sorry excuse of a life. Just give up already. A burning knot formed in the pit of Charlie's stomach. She clenched her teeth in anger. She had enough of Roxy. She'd had enough of being pushed around. And not just by her, but by everyone who thought they were superior. Sick and tired of listening to Roxy's condescension, she did the only thing left to do. Charlie held her fire poker up high and let loose a battle cry, charging Roxy head on. Roxy hadn't expected her to actually go on the attack. The surprise caused her to flinch and she shielded her face with her arm, breaking off her enchantment. That was exactly what Charlie was hoping for. Now that her feint had worked, 
and Roxy disconnected her power from the Source Gnome, Charlie focused her swing on the bastard and shattered it to pieces. When she looked back, she noticed all the other Garden Gnomes reverted back to lifelessness. When Roxy realized she had been tricked, she growled in frustration and raised her hand to strike Charlie. But as her arm came down, Charlie grabbed it mid-swing and squeezed her wrist tightly, stopping the blow. How dare you! Don't you realize I have the power to crush you where you stand? Then do it. If you're as tough as you say you are, then stop with the threats and actually do something. Roxy boiled with anger and yanked her arm free from Charlie's grip. She stared at her for a long moment, Charlie expecting the worst. But then she backed away. This surprised Charlie. She was sure she was about to get obliterated into oblivion. I guess you've got more spunk than you let on. Fine. Go and tell Rowan he's off the hook for tonight. But don't think for a second I'm through chasing him. I'll get him eventually. Charlie stood there, brandishing her fire poker, unwilling to nod or respond, only wanting Roxy to leave and go away. After she left, Charlie hurried back into the house to search for Rowan. He was nowhere to be found. The only thing to greet her were dusty floors covered in pieces of ceramic garden gnomes. Charlie spent the rest of the night cleaning up the remnants of the gnomish invasion. When her mother finally woke up from Rowan's spell and her father came home from work the next morning, she had successfully cleaned up most of the ceramic pieces and dust but lied about how the windows got broken. She explained to her mother how she had taken her advice and invited a few friends over after she fell asleep, and that unfortunately things got a little wild, and a few windows had become casualties. She promised once she started working again she would pay for the damages as soon as she was able. Then there was the question of what happened to Rowan. Charlie was a little put out when she came back into the house the night before to find that Rowan had already left. But she had to admit, he was in a tight spot, and so maybe he escaped before she was able to destroy the Source Gnome. She knew she would see him again. It wasn't like Rowan to leave without saying farewell. For the rest of the morning, Charlie kept herself busy by helping her mother clean up what she wasn't able to the night before, and then rested on the couch when she was able. It was the fourth day of her visit to her parents' house, and she was beginning to go through gaming withdrawals. She wished her parents' laptop didn't suck so much so she could play something other than solitaire. But even though she hated card games, her craving for something to play always brought her back to the laptop, at least for a little while. Just as she did right now. Charlie lay on the couch and stared at the screen, deciding to check her emails before an exciting game of solitaire or tic-tac-toe. As she logged into her account, she noticed that Tom had sent an email the night before. That was strange, she thought. Tom never emailed her. A while back, they had exchanged emails just in case they had wanted to get in contact outside of gaming, but even though that was a long time ago, they had never actually done it. It was sort of exciting to find an email from him. She wondered what it could be about. Clicking on the message, she went ahead and read it. Hi, Charlie. Wow, it's... Kind of weird messaging you about something that has nothing to do with gaming. But I thought it was about time I put your email to good use. Anyway, 
I wanted to let you know I was coming to the city tomorrow and thought maybe you'd like to meet? I'm sorry if it's a little forward of me, considering we've never actually met in person. But I thought since we'd been online friends for a couple years, it might be cool to finally meet each other. I'm in town for work-related matters, so I'll only be in town for one day. Let me know what you think. I understand if you'd rather not take our relationship beyond using me as an in-game meat shield, but who knows? Talk to you soon. Tom, a.k.a. Vinland. After reading Tom's message, Charlie felt a nervous excitement stir inside her. If she could name one real friend, it would be Tom. She often wondered what it would be like to meet each other. She had never even seen pictures of him, nor he of her. She didn't like social media sites like Facebook because of privacy, lack of real-life friends, and because everybody always acts so fake. Unless she outright asked him for a picture, which she felt she would never be brave enough to do, then there was no way of her knowing what he looked like unless he offered his picture himself. But he had never done that either, and Charlie wondered if it were because of the same reason. She didn't find herself attractive and feared what he might think. For that reason, she felt like keeping things simple and strictly in-game. But now that he wanted to meet, she didn't know what to do. Charlie made a decision without taking time to consider one. If she had learned anything from the past week and a half, is that she was boring and not a chance taker. If she weighed out the possible pros and cons about meeting Tom, chances were she never agreed to meet him for fear he found her ugly or weird. Truth was, she didn't want to meet him for that reason. Taking the plunge, Charlie responded, suggesting a time and place for them to meet. Later that afternoon, Charlie sat in a booth at Jolene's Diner, a restaurant not far from her apartment that served delicious homestyle cooking. She waited for Tom. Soon after sending her message, Tom replied with much enthusiasm and agreed to meet her there. She thought about going to the coffee shop, but she wanted to avoid another embarrassing incident with Lisette if she could help it. Thankfully, her father gave her a bit of money regardless of the damages she caused to his house. Her dad was awesome. Charlie looked out the window, sipping at a glass of iced tea, wondering what Tom would look like. She had to leave him details about herself so he would be able to spot her once he arrived. Things like the color of her shirt, for example. She hoped she provided enough information. She would hate for him to walk past her, and either of them knowing it. But it was a good thing Tom had an eye for detail. Hmm, blue shirt, sitting alone, avoiding eye contact with everybody in the restaurant. Well, if I didn't already know you were a borderline hermit, I'd say you must be Charlie. Charlie turned her head and looked at the man who stood before her. He was of average height, had dark and slightly wavy hair, a little overweight but carried it well, and had a face that was not exactly handsome, but still somehow pleasing to the eye. Overall, there didn't look to be anything special about him. He was simply an average normal looking person, like her. He took a seat across from her. Tom? You got it. And it's kind of weird not referring to each other by our characters' names. It's good to finally meet you in person, though. I'll admit, I was a little hesitant. I know we only talk to each other online, but you know me better than anyone else. So you know how bad I am at meeting people. I know. That's why I was a little scared to ask to meet. I know how much of a recluse you are. Charlie played with the straw in her drink and didn't know what to say. 
She could tell Tom was experiencing similar anxieties by the way he was tapping his fingers against a salt shaker. Thankfully, a waitress came around to take their order, asking them what they would like. Um, maybe just a fried donut. And would you mind refilling my drink? Uh, I'll try the same. But, uh, coffee instead, please. The waitress returned a couple minutes later with two donuts, a coffee, and a nice tea. Wow, this donut is great! I know, right? I like coming here because it's not the usual fast food joint. Everything is made fresh and the food is incredible. Oh man, I could definitely load up on these during a guild raid. One of these in my mouth would totally make that armor repair cost a little less bitter. Remember that time we decided to go on a stealth mission into the Dark City? Oh man, that was a disaster waiting to happen. We totally got our butts handed to us. Wasn't it hilarious when we jumped that one guy who was dealing with a merchant? I still laugh whenever I think about what he must have been thinking when two players from the opposing faction actually attacked him inside his home city. <laughs> That's so funny. I literally <laughs> banged my fist against the computer desk and sprayed energy drink from my nostrils. Charlie and Tom laughed together again, this time with no awkward pauses. Being able to share that memory in person and laugh about it together helped break the ice. Charlie felt a lot more comfortable now. They looked at each other and smiled. Once she realized she was staring at him, she broke eye contact. So, is this your first time coming to Riverton? Nah, I usually don't travel unless I come into town for work stuff. I'm a trainer at a call center I work for back home. Sometimes other companies hire us to train new employees. They usually send me when they do. No way! I had no idea you worked at a call center too! I'm sure your position must be better than harassing people on the phones about pointless crap, though. I freaking hate my job. Tell me about it. Try training people who'd rather stab themselves in the eye than listen to me instruct them on how to be excited about technical support. Charlie was amazed at how well their meeting was going. Now she was glad that she agreed to get together. They were hitting it off really well. They talked like two old friends who hadn't seen each other in a long time. It felt good to talk to someone about normal, mundane things. And it was all looking really positive, until Tom started acting awkward again and brought Rowan into the conversation. So, how are things going between you and that guy you mentioned the other day? You still seeing each other? Yeah, things are good. You like him? Yes, I do. Oh, um, I see... Tom averted his eyes and tapped at the salt shaker again. The atmosphere had suddenly gone from pleasant to awkward once more. Charlie had a feeling in her gut as to why he had brought that up, but she didn't want to face it. She really didn't want this to happen. Her emotions and relationship with Rowan were complicated enough. She didn't want her own relationship with Tom to get weird either. He was her best friend. Charlie... Listen, I gotta be honest with you. I didn't just come into town for a business meeting. The main reason is because I wanted to see you face-to-face and tell you something. Tom. Please, hear me out. I don't know if I could forgive myself if I didn't at least try. Charlie, the truth is that I really like you. I've been crazy about you for a long time, but I've always been afraid to say it, okay? I know I tease you a lot about being a shut-in and everything, but to be honest, I'm the exact same way. We're exactly alike. I've never met anyone who I've felt so connected to. 
the reason I never told you is because I value our friendship. And I value it so much that if you ever turn me down, I'm afraid it would change things. But when you told me you met another guy, my heart felt like it had shattered into pieces. I hated myself for not telling you how I felt before someone else stole you from me. And believe me, Charlie, it's not like me to be so forward about all of this. But I know that if I sit back and let someone as amazing as you slip through my fingers to be swept away by some other guy who doesn't know you the way I do, well, I'll always wonder if things ever could have worked out between us. Charlie was thrown into a dilemma she believed she could not emerge from unhurt. At that moment, she desperately wished to be fighting off savage demons and garden gnomes instead. The truth was that she really did like Tom. Even if their relationship was strictly online, she had come to enjoy his company and even look forward to more time spent gaming with him. There had been a few times when she even entertained the thought of what it would be like if they dated. But the prospect of bringing it up to face rejection was just too frightening to go through with. Had he told her two weeks ago, she would have definitely dated him. He was a really great guy. But now, it was too late. She was with Rowan. And she really liked him too. He was gorgeous, charming, and had saved her life like a hero from a fairy tale. He had shown her things that amazed her beyond limits and made her feel more alive than she ever did in her life. Sure, things were complicated because of the nature of his existence, and sometimes she felt like it was just too scary to be with him. But he was just so perfect, and always had the right things to say to make her feel really special. It pained her to do this, but deep inside, she felt like she couldn't just leave Rowan after all the good things he's done for her. I'm so sorry, Tom. She was unable to meet his eyes. Tom bit the inside of his lip, as if trying to keep from appearing hurt, and nodded. It's, it's all right. Don't worry about it. It was just something I felt like I had to do. No regrets. Let's try and not let this interfere with our friendship, okay? We've still got to get you the bow of lesser destruction, after all. Charlie nodded, too afraid to speak for fear of crying. Anyway, um, I'd better get going for that business meeting. It was really great meeting you, Charlie. I hope we can do it again sometime. I'm so glad we met, Tom. You are a really great guy. Tom nodded and took his leave, looking just as sad as Charlie felt. When he was finally out of sight, Charlie buried her face in her hands and started to cry. She knew that even though they said it wouldn't affect their friendship, things would never be the same again. There would always be that awkwardness between them, and Tom's feelings would never change, making it so unbearable for him that at some point he would have no choice but to distance himself from the pain he felt inside. Why did love have to be so complicated? That night, Charlie found a note sitting by her parents' doorstep. The lights in the house were off. Nobody was home. Her mother and father had decided to go out as well. The note was left by Rowan. Charlie, it looks like you're out, so I'm leaving this note beneath your door to let you know I was looking for you. I'm sorry about leaving so suddenly last night. I was starting to get a little overwhelmed and decided the best thing to do was to create some distance. Thank you for distracting Roxy. You're a lifesaver! 
I'd like to meet with you tonight. There's something important I'd like to talk about. Can you meet me at June Park? I'll wait for you by the same bench. Hope to see you there, Rowan. Charlie was glad to hear Rowan was alright. He was more than capable of taking care of himself, but she worried about him nonetheless. She wondered what it was he wanted to talk about. Whatever it was, it must be important if he intended to wait at the park hoping she'd show up. Charlie remembered the look on his face the night before when he showed up at her door. He looked weary, like a traveler after a long journey who would give anything to rest his eyes for a while. What if he intended to leave Riverton? Would he go in search of a new place to live until Roxy zeroed in on him again? She would understand if that's what he chose, but even so, the thought of it pained her. She didn't want him to leave. She had finally decided that even if things got wild and crazy, she wanted to stop being the safe, boring, and typical person she had always been. His words from the night before had really affected her, and she didn't want to cower underneath her blankets for protection anymore. She wanted to stay with him. Without wasting another moment, she left for June Park. The sky darkened. The temperature had dropped since meeting Tom. Charlie was glad she brought her scarf along. It felt especially cold, making her nervous jitters feel more intense. As she followed the familiar path, Charlie found Rowan sitting at the same bench where she learned of his magic. The air was still and quiet. The sound of her feet along the gravel path alerted Rowan of her presence. He stood up to meet her as she approached, appearing relieved she had come. Thanks for coming. I was afraid you'd miss my note. Sorry I missed you when you came by. I was out with a friend. I only found your letter before coming straight here. Your note sounded pretty serious. Is something wrong? Rowan ran his fingers through his hair, sighing deeply. He appeared to struggle for words, unable to figure out how to say whatever it was he wanted to say. But one look in those eyes, and Charlie knew. She saw the longing for rest, for his never-ending manhunt to end. You're leaving, aren't you? Rowan exhaled, releasing all the tension in his chest and shoulders as if relieved to hear Charlie say the words for him. Tired, Charlie. Never I stop believing I can finally slow down and relax. The Fae appears right on my heels to take me back in. I get it. You've got to move on. It just isn't safe for you here anymore. Charlie. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make this hard for you. I just hate that things have to turn out this way. Before we could even allow for things to get serious and you needed to leave. I've never met anyone like you. Where will you go? I see, that's the thing. I want you to come with me. What? But where would we go? How would we survive without a job or a place to live? That's the other important thing I wanted to talk about. I'm going back to the Fae, Charlie. Back to my home realm. The world slowed. The Fae? Charlie had a suspicion Rowan wanted to move on, but to leave Earth altogether? To go back to his land of magic and bring her with him? Suddenly, it was like every impossibility had unexpectedly become possible. 
Not only was it amazing that she had recently discovered fantastical beings existed, but she was now being offered an invitation to live within a world of pure magic. It was a world she had always dreamed of. You want me to go live with you in the Fae? But I'm mortal. And doesn't your king want you arrested? I met with Roxy later last night to talk things over. I was able to strike a deal with her. I will stop running, but only under one condition. They have to allow for you to come with me. I realize this is a big decision because we've only known each other for a little while, but I know that we can learn to love each other and be happy. I'm drawn to you, Charlie. You're not like other women. I ran from fairy to distance myself from snobs and know-it-alls, only to be disappointed to find Earth filled with them as well. Though I must warn you, once you enter the Fae, you will never be allowed to return. So that's the catch. What will happen to me once I'm old and frail? You are immortal. I'm going to grow old, and you're going to stay young forever. Won't you grow tired of being with an old lady? It is true that someday I will be forced to watch you pass on, but I would rather spend whatever time we can together than no time at all. The thought of escaping this world and leaving all its troubles and sorrows behind sounded like an opportunity of a lifetime. There would be no more stupid questions about pickles, no more worrying about paying the rent, and no more stress. She would go to live in a land of magic like she had always dreamed of. It would be like stepping through into her online fantasy game. But what of her family and everything and everyone she's ever known? What about the smell of coffee in the morning and those late night gaming sessions while feeding off pizza deliveries? Despite being surrounded by magic, would she miss the little things that made her who she was? She thought of Tom's sad face and how she likely had nobody else now to turn to except Rowan. I'll go. There's nothing left for me on Earth. I want to go with you to the Fae. I promise to forever take care of you. Rowan smiled and pulled Charlie into him, embracing her tightly. Charlie liked being held in his arms, the warmth of his body against her own, filling her with a sense of security and comfort. She responded with a soft squeeze of her own, then... After a long moment of pressing her ear against his chest and enjoying the sound of his beating heart, she pulled away and regarded him again. Before we go, I need to make some final preparations, which basically means saying goodbye to my parents without them realizing what's really happening. When you're ready, you can return here tomorrow morning. Roxy will be here to take us away to the Fae, and there's no need to worry about trouble on the other side. The only thing that will happen to me is I'll be forbidden to return to this realm. You won't need to bring anything with you. You'll soon find out that everything you've ever dreamed of will be at your fingertips. Suddenly, Charlie became overwhelmed with emotion. She was leaving. Soon, everything she had ever known would become a part of her past. She would live in the most beautiful place imaginable. Part of her was overcome with excitement, but it still felt like a hard thing to do. Saying goodbye was never easy, even if she felt like there wasn't much to say goodbye to. Charlie leaned into Rowan and kissed him deeply. Then she left the park to bid the world farewell.
Charlie woke up the next morning feeling nothing. Having cried herself to sleep, it was like she'd been drained of all emotion. She would disappear from this world later that morning. She would be gone. People would come looking for her, but she wouldn't leave a trace. All that would remain of her in this world would be her memory. It was strange. She felt ready to do this. There were no hesitations, no second thoughts, only acceptance. It still felt all too unbelievable that this was happening to her of all people. The night before had been like an emotional roller coaster. Even her mother thought she was acting a little strange. Charlie made a point of it to spend the rest of the night bonding with her family, the only people she had left in this world. It wasn't easy trying to hide it from her parents. Why was it so hard? Was it supposed to feel this way? Or was she actually having second thoughts without realizing it? Whenever she started to doubt herself, she thought of Rowan and about how much he meant to her. In some sense, he had entered the world and saved her from it, giving her the opportunity to escape a life of suffering. That didn't make her a coward, did it? Despite her shortcomings, she was independent and able to take care of herself. She didn't need a man in her life to survive. So was it love that drew her to him? After having a shower and eating her last breakfast with her parents, Charlie felt like she was now ready to leave. The only thing she wished she could have done before leaving was log into her online video game one last time to say farewell to the fantasy world she spent so much time adventuring in. She thought about stopping by her apartment to do just that, but she figured it might make it even harder to leave after seeing all of her possessions and collectibles being left behind. The time had come. Charlie was ready to go. She told her parents that she was going for a walk since it turned out to be such a nice sunny day and enjoy some fresh air. She hugged them each and told them she loved them, which really made her mother worry something was wrong because hugging was something Charlie just didn't do. But Charlie reassured her everything was all right and that she felt bad that she didn't show them enough affection. Her mother accepted her answer and appreciated the gesture. As Charlie pulled on her coat, she looked at her laptop sitting by the couch and thought that it might be nice to check her emails one last time before leaving. But as soon as she did, she instantly regretted it. There was a new message from Tom. She still felt terrible about how their meeting had ended and thought maybe it would be best to leave his email unread to save her some more pain. But curiosity won in the end. She had to read it. Hi, Charlie. I want to apologize for yesterday. I don't regret telling you how I feel, but I feel bad our first time meeting each other had to end that way. I really hope this won't affect our friendship. Anyway, it looks like I won't be leaving as early as I was hoping. My car broke down on me, so I've got to take the bus home while it's being fixed. My bus doesn't leave until noon, so if you were still interested in meeting each other one last time before I leave, maybe we can hang out at the station while I wait to go home? I'm sorry if I made things weird. You're still my best friend. Tom. Charlie read Tom's message and closed the laptop. She was right. She did regret reading his message. She now felt even sadder than before. What would Tom think once he realized she was gone? Would he know that she had run off with Rowan? 
Would she be able to hear the sound of his breaking heart all the way from Fairy? She forced back tears from welling up in her eyes at the thought of it. But her mind was decided. In the end, all she could do was hope this would be the best thing for her. Charlie walked out the door and stood on the veranda, taking one last look at the place where she found comfort in her childhood. She hoped Fairy would help ease the pain she was feeling. Charlie decided to take the long way and walk through the streets of Riverton one last time before meeting Rowan at the park. The day was particularly beautiful, as if the autumn weather remembered what it was like on a warm summer morning. She took in the sounds and sights of the city, admiring the things she never before took the time to appreciate. Strangely, Charlie felt like she would miss this place. Then, something peculiar happened. As Charlie walked past a large restaurant window, she noticed a waitress bringing over a plate to a customer. And on that plate was a sandwich. The sight of the sandwich was strange for two reasons. She swore she had a dream about that exact same peculiar looking sandwich. And secondly, her entire conversation with Mr. Morris all came rushing back to her. She could hear his voice in her head. I am passionate about making sandwiches. You know why? Because I make a damn good sandwich. It's my passion. Life is meaningless if you've got nothing to live for. Then, just as suddenly, words Rowan had spoken also filled her mind. But the Fae will never possess the one thing I admire so much in humans. And that's your value of life. It's what makes you unique. It fills you with the desire to make every day of your existence one that matters. Life is precious to you, and so your passions have that much more meaning. Charlie walked away from the window oblivious to the man's existence. The only thing that mattered was the significance of the sandwich. To anyone else, it would represent nothing but another way to satisfy their hunger. While to Charlie, it meant so much more. It represented everything she would ever miss out on if she abandoned her life to live in a different world. An enormous weight lifted from her shoulders at that moment. She now knew she couldn't go through with Rowan's request. However much it hurt to watch him leave, she realized it would hurt so much more to never experience life the way she had always been meant to. Leaving the city streets behind, Charlie hurried to the park to meet Rowan, and there was someone else she needed to meet at the bus station soon afterwards. When she arrived at the park, Charlie found Rowan waiting by the pond. Roxy stood nearby, leaning against a tree with her arms crossed, waiting expectantly. As she approached, Rowan must have read her expression. His smile changed from happy to see her into one that was understandably sad like he half expected her to change her mind. It was a big decision, after all. You've had a change of heart. I'm sorry. I just can't go through with this. It's okay, Charlie. In all honesty, it was a pretty big request. It was selfish of me to ask you to leave behind everything you've ever known for a life with me. You've changed my life, Rowan. I lived my entire existence hiding away from the world, too afraid to really live. 
Since you appeared, you helped me realize I don't have to be ashamed of myself anymore. And if I run away now, I'll never get to experience all the things that make me human. I'll never find my true passions that make life worth living. I don't doubt that living in your world would be the most amazing thing that could ever happen to me. And a part of me will regret it. But I'm not ready to give up on my own world just yet. I want to experience all the joys and sorrows it has to offer. <laughs> humans, humans never cease to amaze me. Just when I think I've learned all there is to know, you prove me wrong once more. I miss you, Charlie. I hope you find what it is you're looking for. Rowan pulled Charlie into him one last time and embraced her gently. She hugged him back, knowing that she too would miss him dearly. But in that moment, after all that had been said and done, she knew this was the right decision. She wasn't afraid anymore. After releasing each other, Rowan walked to the edge of the pond. Smiling, he turned and looked back at her one last time, and then dove in the water, never to be seen again. Charlie hadn't expected the gateway to the Fae to be inside the pond, and for a moment she feared he might drown. Roxy approached the water and waved a hand over it. Don't worry. He'll be alright. It's a fairy trick. We use nature to travel back and forth from each realm. Does this mean you'll leave me alone now? Now that I've accomplished what I was paid to do, yeah, you're off the hook. Roxy was about to dive into the pond, and stopped herself and turned back to say one final thing. You're a heartbreaker, Charlie Cradle. I guess you're alright. For a mortal. Charlie smiled, then Roxy dove into the pond, and she was never seen again. Suddenly, Charlie saw the world in a different light. The crisp morning air tasted sweeter. The sun's warmth filled her with a sense of belonging that she'd never experienced before. She now belonged to the world just as much as it belonged to her. Charlie checked the time on her watch and felt a sense of urgency. It was almost noon. If she didn't make it to the bus stop on time, she would miss the chance to tell Tom how she really felt about him. Wasting no more time, she ran with all her might down the gravel path of the park, then paused to catch her breath, ran some more, paused again, then ran until she reached the street where she was able to flag down a taxi to drive her the rest of the way. Running the whole way to him would have been more romantic, but she knew she'd pass out from exhaustion before reaching him. Thankfully, she had just enough money to pay for the cab. Charlie was nearly driven crazy because time felt like he was on fast forward while the rest of the world moved in slow motion. Her heart pounded in her chest at the thought of not making it on time. She couldn't let Tom leave without knowing that she too felt the same way about him. Finally, her cab had made it to the bus station without a moment to spare. As they pulled in, so did Tom's bus. Charlie threw all her money at the cabbie without caring for change in return and jumped out the car. People were boarding the bus now, and at least half of them had already entered. Tom placed his first foot on the bottom step and was about to go inside. Tom! Tom turned at the sound of his name and looked back, and that's when he saw her. Tom and Charlie locked eyes. He smiled in amazement and took his foot off the step of the bus. 
Charlie was overcome with relief. Tears filled her eyes as she smiled back at him, his completely average self now appearing more perfect than it ever had. Tom wasn't a wizard or born of magic. He had no special powers other than the ability of simply being awesome, and he probably couldn't battle a demon and win if he tried. But none of that mattered to Charlie. He was a regular person, just like her, who hated working for a call center. He played video games and laughed at jokes that most people didn't understand, just like she did. Charlie knew she was taking a chance by pouring her feelings out to Tom the same way he did. Because what if things didn't work out between them? But right now, she didn't worry about that. Even though it was only the beginning of their relationship, just as Rowan had said to her, she was sure they would learn to love each other. She no longer wanted to live her life always wondering what could have been. Maybe she and Tom might never travel the world or experience extravagance or make a lot of money. Maybe they would only keep living their lives the simple way, except now with a better appreciation for it. They could exist together, and that would make her happy. It would be a wonderful existence. Thank you for listening to the full story of Charlie Cradle's wonderful existence. Starring me, Scott Jimmo, as the narrator, Red, and Mr. Director. Carly Jimmo as Charlie Cradle and Purple. Eurasian Rob as Rowan. Ken Bound as Man on the Phone. Sharon Grunwald as Leanne, Charlie's mom and Black. Brad Colebrook as Tom. Stephanie L. as Lisette. Alan DeRegel as Mr. Morris. Michelle Carranza as Blue. And LMG Wilson as Roxy. Creative Commons Music by Raphael Crux, Music L. Files, Kevin McLeod, Alexander Nakarada, Scott Holmes, and Josh Woodward. You can find more info in the episode notes. A fairy? No, we're, we're good. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I just want to like be the best, you know? Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not.